So there's enough exposition in this world, especially in this game and in this episode, so I'm not going to spend a bunch of time telling you about Patreon, other than to say you can support this show and others like it by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and kicking us a couple of bucks a month. Whatever you can afford, um, it all helps. Um, Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Cole, Cole, where are we? Can you see anything? No, no, man, not a, not a, not a thing. What, what smells so good? Greetings. My name is Zero. I've brought you here to play a game. Ah, it's bright my eyes. What is, what is this? Is that, is that bacon? In this room, you will find nine diversions. Only when you solve these will I disarm the hash bombs embedded in your stomach. My God. A bacon spiracy. What, what do you mean by hash bombs? Y'all order some extra grits? Wait a minute, is this a cracker barrel? This is a tape. I cannot give you any new information. In front of you, you will see two nails tangled up around each other. Your wait will be 30 to 45 minutes. Begin. How can you untangle that which was not meant to be tangled in the first place? Enough of your asinine philosophy basement's already flooded with gravy, and the break room's next. These, uh, these checkers are much bigger than checkers ought to be. Only one of us can win. You know what this means? Decaf, calf, decaf, calf. Which one will make the drinky bird bob faster? Well, it depends if we go patties or links. It's a, it's a delicate balance. Say, have I told you about my favorite childhood pond? No. Three bottles. Cream soda, root beer, ginger ale. Cream soda, root beer, ginger ale. Gary, if we pick the wrong one, we're done for. You know, done for. That reminds me of Jeremy Bentham's Panopticon. The Panopticon? Yeah, especially as it applies to the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster. The Space Shuttle Columbia disaster? Mm Mm-hmm. The year was 1778, and the cherry tree George Washington chopped down had gone missing. Our final challenge. It's here. A triangular pegboard, 15 holes... 14 pegs. You can only move if you jump and eliminate a peg. And if we leave more than four behind, the hash bombs will explode. Cool, cool, cool. Don't, don't put it down. If you if you put it down, you're going to have to go through that whole thing again. 15 holes. 14. No, no. Here, I'll, I'll hold it. Okay. Cool. So, I think I know why we were brought here. What do, you, what do you mean? You're an ignoramus, aren't you? You bite your tongue. No, no. It's right here on the board. You, you can't solve this puzzle. You're an ignoramus. There's no hash bomb in my tummy, is there? Do you know what it's like to live with my pain? I contrived this situation to heighten your mental state, to fill you with salted meats, so I could thin the ether between our minds and, for once, glimpse the solution to this Cracker Barrel puzzle. Cole, this is too far. The lives you've ruined, the flapjacks you've flipped... The calories we've eaten, Cole, the calories. I suppose you're right. I've been a real chicken fried jackass. Cracker Barrel is for good times. It's for when there's no other restaurant on the exit. It's it's for awkward dinners with estranged relatives and hillbilly rehearsals for their weddings. It's Cole, I can help you, buddy. Do you you just want to go hit up a bar? Hey, hey, now you're talking. Watch out for fireball shots, am I right? (laughs) 
My name is Cole Ross, and you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are talking about Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors, which is a visual novel game developed by Chunsoft and published by Access Games for the DS in 2010. Yeah, it's a game I always think of as Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Days. Which <laughs> is like, what, it's nine days and nine hours? Like, I don't know. Well, you see, in um, the beginning. Yeah, the, uh, let's digress. The, um, so in this game you play as uh, Junpei who is a college student who's been trapped on a sinking ship, forced to play the non-airy game with eight other people. Yes, and you are forced to work together um, with your numbered bracelets to go through certain doors and escape the rooms, uh, seeking out the nine door to escape. The door with the number nine on it, not the no door for our German listeners. Yes, yeah. And it is, uh, it's one of those things, if you break the rules, you escape. This is an explodey collar, like in The Running Man. Um <laughs> You know, or there's actually there's a made for like Showtime movie called Deadlocked about <laughs> in the future where if you got married, uh, your wedding rings would explode if you got divorced. Oh wow, that that's I not may, that, that. I may have dreamed. <laughs> yeah, I may have dreamed just a couple years ago when I uh, <laughs> went through some personal troubles. No, I, it yeah. is it is a real thing. But the uh, I've, I've looked it up hence to see if I dreamed. Okay. but it's that kind of thing. If you if you fuck up, you blow up. There's also Ratchet and, and Clank Deadlocked. You, I throw. <laughs> <laughs> There's also Ratchet and Clank Deadlock, which is a Ratchet and Clank shooter game uh, that has that same running man premise where there is an exploding oh, sure. collar around you. <laughs> there's also Saw 3 where there's exploding collars. Gary, this is a trope. Yeah, this is definitely a trope. <laughs> um, yeah. So the game's structure kind of depends on this mathematical principle of the digital root, and they will hammer this time and time again until you uh, learn to immediately look at numbers well and determine. <laughs> yeah, well past that point. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is uh, you take a bunch of numbers that you have um, and you add them together and then you take the total and you add the 10 place and the one place uh, in order to get a number. And they use this with the numbers on the bracelets to determine who can go where. Do you know, Cole, if this is a thing that has use outside of the non-airy game? Uh, Baccarat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like it's uh, I I don't I mean I'm not a maths man like I'm I'm a casual maths man insofar as I am interested in these things. This is the first time I've been exposed to it, and they draw the baccarat connection yeah. um, in the game itself, and like that's cool and that makes sense. And it's a neat little trick with numbers. It's something that I imagine a math magician would do. It is very math magic. I was just curious if it had any other like applications because it, it definitely seems like a real thing. Like I never mm -hmm. suspected it was made up for the game. That's but it, that's kind of a, a thing about this game and this series in general. This director, he gets an idea or a concept or reads about a thing in his head. And then he is so singularly mindedly passionate about it that it has to work in. And these games are his way of expressing how delighted he is that this exists. 
It's it's like it's one of it's very similar to the worst principles of one of my favorite comics writers, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, who also mm-hmm. does that. Like his characters oftentimes spout trivia to one another. Yeah, it's it's a Chuck Chuck Palahniuk kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, it's a real real Chuck Palahniuk thing. Um, so the visual novel portions of this game involve reading and kind of learning about the characters and making choices. And uh, the story branches at a few points depending on the things you do. Um, it's slightly more than it initially appears mm-hmm. to uh, to branch, but it, it isn't a choose your own adventure. There are long stretches between story choices. Yeah, and they all have uh, terminuses that are far from each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, and many of those terminuses, um, all but two really are bad endings. Um, and it takes multiple playthroughs to kind of determine what's going on, get pieces of the mystery and, mm-hmm. um, figure out, um, exactly what you need to do in order to get that, uh, that good ending. Yeah. Um, the, the part of the, the part of the game that I liked significantly more are the puzzle portions mm-hmm. of the game, which are your typical like room escape game. So <clears throat> it's kind of, it's interesting because this is, this game was at best a cult favorite. Um, like it didn't sell well, but mm-hmm. this genre is really popular now um, mm-hmm. because of iOS. Right. Um, so these are escape the room puzzles where you kind of search your environment and uh, you look for clues and just kind of ways to eventually get a key, um, which like that, that's what I do for my job. Like as well, <laughs> like I, you know, this is something I'm fairly intimately familiar with and, yeah. and dig in general. I mean, just kind of let's let, let's uh, uh, marquee this or banner it. Does this do exp- escape the room stuff really well based on yeah. in, in your opinion? OK, cool. Even though like the production values on some of the stuff are super unrealistic, obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. um, on th- some of the things in this. But some of the early ones, like the, the first one specifically mm-hmm. that you're going to do a bunch of fucking times <laughs> um, feels really like something out of that. Like yeah. felt, felt like something that I, I would see in an actual escape the room. And I'm not an expert. I just I know one of them really, really well. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see here, because this is a DS game and kind of one of the few DS games we've ever done, um, this uses the dual screens in a really cool way that you're not going to hear about for another two hours. <laughs> but the, yeah. I- the idea is that, well, you know, you're seeing action and dialogue and stuff happening on the upper screen and the puzzle solving and kind of exposition like narration are happening on the lower screen. Yes. Yeah. And even other than that, that big thing we're going to talk about in a couple hours, um, it utilizes touchscreen functionality really well. Yeah. Like this is a game that should be for touchscreen. It would be a pain, you know, moving a virtual mouse or, or just using a, uh, a D-pad mm-hmm. on it, I think. Um, the game takes elements from another visual novel created by its director, uh, Katoru Uchikosi. Okay. Um, named Ever 17, which didn't even feature puzzles. Like, yeah. it was entirely a visual novel. Yeah. This is a game I've meant to play for a good long while, but it's very hard to get a hold of, and it's very hard to run on modern systems. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there was uh, a version of 999 that was released on the iOS uh, mm-hmm. app store uh, that takes out these puzzles um, and adds in a couple of uh, kind of quality of life things about navigating the different storylines and stuff. Uh, and there's also a new ending, which is really just a variation on one of the other endings. Yeah, I haven't seen that new ending. When we first announced this and you were like, don't play the iOS version. And I was like, well, if you don't dig the puzzles, I could see you playing the iOS version. Mm-hmm. Now that I've played it, uh, definitely play the DS version because I don't like the stuff that's not the puzzles <laughs> generally. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm not going to go on about it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to turn this into act of violence. But people who who follow me on Twitter, like, I've got some issues with this game, which I'll enumerate. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's okay. It's, it's in it. I want to 
you know, just for you. I already told you this, Cole, mm-hmm. but it's not. I, I, I bear no ill will in my heart for you. <laughs> the, the mean <laughs> things I'm about to say for 999 do not reflect on our friendship or partnership. Yep. And yeah, just, just as long as you respect my opinion when I say something positive, that's cool, too. No, I do. I, I, I respect your opinion, even when I don't agree with it. And mm-hmm. God damn it, I'll die to defend your right to say it. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah. tread on me, hashtag Tea Party. But I, <laughs> hashtag TCAP. Yeah. <laughs> can, can we invade the TCAP hashtag <laughs> with talks about the about, about the uh, the morphogenetic field? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can be like confusing, like trolling <laughs> yeah. the uh, trolling Twitter. But yeah, so after uh, after kind of a, kind of a spate, so it's it's been a while. Like like January when we did Musashi, weird. It's the pole games that tend to be these lightning rods. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is going to be a barn burner. Yeah, it it doesn't happen that often, and it's it. This was already on the books for a long time, but it's right around when people started saying like, "Hey, you know, it's I'm glad that you guys are having fun playing games you like, but it's really fun when you guys don't like a game." <laughs> um, and this was already on the books. Like we did not plan this. You know, we plan four or five games in advance. So it just kind of worked out mm-hmm. um, that uh, right around when people were saying, hey, you guys should not like something. That, uh, <laughs> well, that at least I, half though, of us will. Yeah, it, it this is, is it, not going to be sacrificed or sort of mana. This isn't the summer of No, pain. no, no. This is this is Brave for Fencer Musashi. Even then, though, like I was more faint with my praise in that, I think. Mm-hmm. And you were slightly more faint in your hatred. Like, yeah. I think this is more polarizing. This might be the most like negative, positive game we've done. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of another example, but I think this might be it. Yeah. Well, in fairness, most of the nice things I remember about, about this game are just kind of contact positiveness that I get from Virtue's Last Reward, actually. Yeah. Like, like this is the game that really, like, aside from Phoenix Wright, really, like, got me into visual novel type things. And I thought, like, oh, this is, like, this is the apotheosis of it. And then Virtue's Last Reward did did so much of what this does well so much better that, like, <laughs> I come back to it and I'm like, oh, I totally see where this could have been better and they did it. So it's it's a it's a bit of a historical oddity. I, I had a lot of times thinking because this is widely considered to be like one of the the standards of the genre, mm-hmm. and just thinking like, holy shit! Like if this is one of the standards of the genre, that's rough mm-hmm. um, for reasons we'll enumerate. And there are things I like about the game quite a bit, so it's yeah. not it's not one hundred percent negative. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, Virtue's Last Reward. That's the sequel um, that came out in two thousand twelve, and thus making this a series um, mm-hmm. called Zero Escape. Because there was a third game coming out in 2016. Yeah, and this series has kind of just always been on the chopping block at Access and Chunsoft because it didn't really sell well in Japan. It's mostly an American thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of oddly enough, because yeah. it does, you know, and we, again, we'll, we'll talk about all this. This is going to be another one of our long episodes, so you guys should buckle up. I've seen the notes. Um, so if you, <laughs> if, you, if you like long episodes, this is going to be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Um, and weirdly enough, this was also kind of used as a as a template, rather, for uh, for Spike Chunsoft to go on to make it Rampa. So if you are of the opinion that stuff like this is cool, that is a really great reason to own a Vita. Yeah, yeah. And and I've heard so many good <laughs> things about Rampa. What what is going to determine whether I can get into it is articulation of the things that it that are different about it, mm-hmm. you know, because it's it. I've mostly heard similarities, you know, mm-hmm. and and the differences are what's going to be important to me. Yeah. Um. So we're an adventure game town. Um. You know, if we just tell you the plot of this game, <laughs> like it's a novel, like it, you don't, you know, yeah. We're not going to tell you the the novel before we talk about it. So we're just going to give you the setup. Yeah. Um. You're a character named Junpei, and you're a college student, and you wake up in the third class cabin of a ship. Um, the window cracks, and you are forced to solve puzzles to survive as the uh, room fills with water. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yep. And, you know, you take five or ten minutes to recall how you got there as the room fills up. Yeah, I, like... <laughs> I'm torn between my desire to point this out every fucking time it happens Let's, or whether just to get it out of the way. That's why I'm getting it out here. Okay. <laughs> like, it is a consistent... Well, I, I feel like if we just say it at the beginning, mm-hmm. it's going to undersell how often it happens. Okay, well, we can we can call it out, but we don't, <laughs> we, we don't have to grouse every no, time. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to try not to, to be... But the lack of urgency mm-hmm. that's in this game is alarming. <laughs> like, the, like, playing... Uh, you know, Animal Crossing has more urgency than this. <laughs> like, the characters do not give a shit what time it is or what's going to happen, and will take an opportunity to take a break to, like, plot out things on maps or do, <laughs> you know, tell you, tell the player. It, like, what's the word for that when, like, if, if the, if the pl- viewer knows something that the character doesn't, that's dramatic irony. Yes. If the player knows something multiple times and the characters know it, but they're still going over it again, like, what kind of irony is that? lazy like, irony yeah like it, it is <laughs> they will take any opportunity to tell you things you already know yep in this game it is a continuous problem it happens all the way through the mm-hmm. end game yeah and every time you're going to beat it in fairness i would rather them do that than do what a lot of other games like this do which is a little quiz every once in a while to make sure you've been paying attention oh. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> see i just made i just made the what's on the page more appetizing didn't i <laughs> like, good night like that that would have been excruciating <laughs> Um, that would not be acceptable. Um, a summary, though, like a note uh-huh. section that oh, yeah. just like you'd pull it up, like like a journal in a W uh, RPG, yeah. would have been really good. Like just a summary of like a paragraph of what happened in that room <laughs> would have been would have been a way better than both those ways. But a quiz, like th- I don't know if I would have came back from that. <laughs> the, uh, so let's let's talk about this third class cabin. Yeah, um, so, which so- is again, this is cool. Yeah. I like this other than the, the lack of urgency. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of just teaching you to examine everything in your surroundings. Like there are a couple things that are chaff. There's a ladder that Jinpei has a lot of affection for. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, what it comes down to is you're trying to uh, kind of get the keys for these colored briefcases that you can see uh, in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And, and during this, you have a, a digression that like, you know, it makes a sense because we do need to know kind of what happened maybe not in the kind of detail that we get but you you remember your abduction um the big thing there's a gas canister on the ground and you remember a mysterious person with a gas mask which we'll yeah. learn a lot more about yeah and uh, later. Th- this is uncovered when jimpei uh, uncovers a mirror that a that, that a uh key is taped to and he sees yes. how haggard he is yes um yeah so he he has been out for a while and he looks yeah. like death um, but the the actual puzzle and something we should probably keep in mind is there are a lot of puzzle rooms in this and it's going to be we don't need to step by step them. No, you know, no. We just kind of talk about like the, the, the essential puzzle that you're doing in this in this thing is you have uh, two keys that kind of um, are like act as a cipher for numbers for these briefcases. Yeah, mapping um, portions of squares, like shapes, whether they're filled in or hollow, to numbers, right? And yes. uh, you are you, you cross-referencing the two of them to determine what is the combination for the red briefcase and which one is a combination for the blue briefcase. Yes, and this was really different in the original Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, if you uh, go to the cutting room floor website for this this game, there's a lot of stuff that isn't that interesting, but one of the things was this puzzle had to be reworked hmm. to, to not use you know kanji. Yeah, uh, which is kind of, I wonder what it was actually like. Yeah. Um, the big thing you're getting inside these briefcases are cards with numbers on them. And this is where they hammer that digital root thing yeah. into your head. Um, it's the it's the first explanation that, that you that, that of this. Um, and you have to do a little practice run to uh, do a digital root of five in order to get out. 
Yes, and you notice that you have a bracelet on your wrist that is five. Says five. Um, so that this is this all makes sense. No problem so far. <laughs> like th- th- this is how this game should begin. Thumbs up. Uh, thumbs up. <laughs> So between these escape the room bits, there are kind of like long protracted story sections as you um, are meeting and uh, talking with other characters and deciding which uh, which path you're going to take. And so you are fleeing down a flooded hallway in a scene straight out of Titanic um, mm-hmm. and up to the, the the staircase that Jack and Rose walked down when that old lady committed suicide. Ah, yes. <laughs> we all remember the year was 1997. Yes. <laughs> Um, and what you're doing is you're eventually getting to the staircase and you meet the rest of the crew. Yes. So, um, there are eight other people on the ship and, uh, you go through a very long nicknaming (laughs) sequence, um, which is, you know, fine if it wasn't like immediately just erased, but there's a very long nicknaming sequence. And the big shocker here is that the last person coming on the stairs is Akane or Akane, um, who falls actually Akane, who actually falls on you and recognizes you. (laughs) And this is someone, you know, from real life. Yeah, so someone someone you know from before, um, and boy oh boy, they just introduce her as like you, your moe uh, anime girl companion. She's a real waifu, like it's yes. a real like you. You've fallen instant plot love with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been and, carrying a torch for her since elementary school. Yeah, yeah. So it, so it makes <clears> a kind of sense um, there, and the uh, even though there are some like real pervy bits yeah. later that are a little weird uh, mm-hmm. because it's a very Japanese game, and like I don't want to be racist, but it is a thing that shows up it's a funny because the, cr- the creator actually in a q a said yeah we probably should have pumped the brakes on that did, <laughs> did anyone say that they probably shouldn't have had lotus dress like that because that <sighs> may be embarrassed to be playing this on the bus a lot yeah no um and <laughs> in fact in the sequel they double up with alice so oh great yeah <laughs> yeah because that, that's a that's a real good good thing so should we talk about these people that yes. we run into yes we yeah. should okay um, so you go through it, we run through them. The first one is Ace, mm-hmm. um, and this is what he's nicknamed later, and it corresponds to their numbers on their bracelet. The game yes. goes through huge pains. Like It's a long <laughs> time before you just get this, but I, I can tell you in two seconds. <laughs> it's because of the number on their thing. So yeah. Ace is a kind of pink-haired older man. Yeah, yeah, he's like a gray-haired guy. They describe him as a lion, uh, mm-hmm. looking looking very leonine, right? Yes. Very, very, very dignified. You have Snake as well who uh who is he's, he's dressed kind of like Qaddafi a little bit like he's got some <laughs> epaulets and some and some uh, and some piping yep. <laughs> and uh he is blind um and mm-hmm. he uh he's number two and so he calls himself snake eyes and snake for short yep and then we got santa who's like looks like a club kid <laughs> to me that's that was the the impression i got he's, he's a cool he's always doing guy. cool glow stick moves he looks like it to me <laughs> like i was just like all i thought of was club kid he's got fingerless um, gloves <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the he's a fingerless club kid. Mm-hmm. The um, and he's known as Santa, and I can't remember the explanation. Uh, to because like... San is three in Japanese. Ah, yeah, yes. Um, so he's and, Santa, and there's a there, there's a correlation back for Santa Claus as well. Yes. Um, yep. Clover, she is a pink-haired like Genki girl kind of thing. I think yep. or Harajuku or whatever. Um, and she uh, calls herself that because she's number four uh, and four leaf clover, etc. Although that is her real name. Her name is yeah. 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 Um, we know uh, Jumpai, he's number five, and because he blurts out his name, he doesn't get a code name. Oh, Akane blurts it out. Oh, yeah, Akane, Akane blurts it out. So he doesn't get a, a code name. Um, but Akane ends up going by June um, because she's number six, and uh, number six, uh, June mm-hmm. is the sixth month, even though there's some later plot reason yeah. also why she calls herself June. Mm-hmm. Um, the next is Seven, who names himself Seven because his bracelet is Seven. Um, and he is a large, kind of uh, kind of dumb looking guy, but he's got some Yeah. Deaths. Yeah. He kind of hit his his look borders on 
like that character in Dragon Ball who's kind of a racist caricature. Yeah, yeah. He seems like his lips like look a little bit like blackface to me. I'm not sure if they're going for like for black. I don't I, I don't I don't know. Um yeah. I think they are, but there's just something about how they how in the art style mm-hmm. that looks mild. I don't I'm not actually accusing it of race. Has social justice gone too far? I'm not <laughs> accusing it of racism. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it it looks a little bit like racist iconography. Yeah. To me. Yeah. But he's a fine enough character. Yeah, he doesn't really yeah, do much. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, there's also Lotus and she is the one who we alluded to being dressed just completely outlandishly. She's dressed like a belly dancer. Um and her 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 bottom her uh, like her her bikini briefs or whatever uh, dips so low that you are getting mostly mons. <laughs> it is it is. Uh, I missed whatever explanation it was as to why she dresses like this. There is it's none. Also, it's also super weird that the entire like there are so many jokes played about her just being an old hag. Yeah, and I just had this like thought like was this supposed to be an old and even in the plot like her her position in the plot she shouldn't be a twenty year old nearly naked like coed right. And I just, I was just like, is the artist just kind of being gross? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like drawing a mother. I feel like drawing a naked lady. Mm-hmm. Here's a naked lady. Yeah. Like, it makes no fucking sense. Yeah. 1.7 calls her a nudist raisin. What is he even talking about? Like, she, she is ex- <laughs> exactly as sexualized and, and youth centered as, as anybody mm-hmm. in the game. It's very weird. Yeah. Very, at, very at, weird. At least Virtue's Last Reward doesn't have that. The person who is dressed like that is, it's called out. And yeah. she is not supposed to be. Yeah. Well, that's good, at least. Yeah. Um, and then finally, there's the the ninth man um, who uh, is known by Bird's Nest as his nickname. And he <laughs> is uh, I think this, this is supposed to be read as African-American. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he has kind of a big uh, Afro and yeah. glasses. And if you look l- at the original cover art for this game, he is the person who will stick out the most to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's kind of constantly shocked and nervous. Yeah, as he's just uh, he's covered with flop sweat. His yep. favorite podcast is the Flop House, and he's covered in flop sweat. Yes. Um. Yeah. And after like he he doesn't really get a name. He doesn't participate in any of this. He is just kind of standing aside and looking nervously until yeah. he uh, takes Clover oh. hostage with a knife. Before that, we actually get the because we skipped ahead a little bit. Oh. Um, we get the zero comes in over the loudspeaker. Oh yeah, yeah. And kind kind of teaches us what we're doing, which is the non-airy game. Mm-hmm. Um. And what that is, is that there are these numbered doors. Um, we have bracelets, which are bombs. There's a very complicated thing with this thing about a red and a dead, mm-hmm. um, which is a group of three to five can go in through a door. They have to have the digital route that matches the door. Everyone who goes in has to uh, uh, use this thing called a dead, which is the same thing, essentially, just to shut off their bomb bracelets. Yeah. Um, and the door only stays open for nine seconds. There's lots of nines. You have 81 uh, seconds to, oh, to, yeah, to, to, to deactivate. To yeah. 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 So this is a way um, in the for, for both the plot and uh, for story reasons to let people know that they're serious about this. That's the idea. Yeah. And and they keep they, like they're going to push that. They're going to keep pushing that mm-hmm. um, in a moment. Here we see. And, and you get this kind of mysterious last little bit. Seek a door with a nine. Yeah. And uh, that's the. Uh, yes. And this last... it's important for the American version. This is written out and not spoken. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit more information that uh, that Snake gets uh, on, on Braille um, with uh, with information about the devices to give him a little bit of an advantage because he is blind, but he opts to share it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the thing we were talking about with the ninth man, mm-hmm. um, he just kind of freaks out. Yep. And uh, takes Clover hostage with a knife and uh, goes through, you know, threatens someone else to go with him or to, to put their hand up to the door mm-hmm. to go through the uh, the fifth door by himself. Right. 
And he waves bye-bye. And then on the other side, you can hear him say things along the lines of, he lied to me, he killed me. And then yep. he explodes. Yep. And uh, and that's, that's again, it's trying to show you that it's serious. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. And June faints and gets feverish, which uh, is a good reveal. Mm-hmm. Like when that, you know, it feels like it's just like, oh, they're treating her like a little little waif. Yeah. But that's not why that happens. No. And so. there are lots of ways that they subvert that, but there are also many more ways that they that they just lean right into indulge it. in it. Yeah. yeah, it's I can't call this like subversive or anything like that. Yeah. Like it is, it has a plot twist, mm-hmm. but it is not playing against my expectations specifically mm-hmm. in a way that I wanted it to be. I guess yeah. like it is, it is like it, there's a plot twist mm-hmm. though, which we'll get to. But yep. um, you figure out the new digital route to get through, and you get uh, some terrifying music. Which I will cut in. I I universally love the music in this game. It's 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 pretty good. Like I didn't listen to it with music all the time because mm-hmm. it ended up you know, I'd play it in bed without mm-hmm. headphones and the like. Yeah. But uh it's it can probably be best described as like urgency techno. Yes. Um like the main kind of we're doing exposition theme mm-hmm. I think is really strong with the weird little ramping up like Yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, the music is really good though. Yeah. I'm probably gonna use all of it because yeah. this is one of my I'm doing work soundtracks actually. Oh yeah. Like it and it's and yeah, getting off the you know refresh off the heels of Spider Man <laughs> with like its generic cam FDM techno <laughs> soundtrack like is good to have a game with good music. Mm-hmm. Oh. For sure. Yeah, but uh, you get a, a, a horrific description of, uh, of this blowed up body uh, with slugs of fat stuck to the wall and uh, a flower of intestines um, crawling out, uh, etc. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, and, we, you know, so you have two doors that you're confronted with. There's the five door mm-hmm. that, uh, that he went through and the four door. And your choice determines who can go through the rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's set up so, you know, everyone can go through at this point. Um, and even if nine was live, they could, right. um, nine doesn't change the digital route. Yep. Um, so everybody can go through and this kind of determines, um, your pathway and what ending you're going to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cole has optimized this. Yes. For us. So what we're going to do, uh, we're going to go through and get the prerequisite ending, uh, the safe ending as it were. Um, and then on the path to the true ending, I will kind of walk us down the dead ends and kind of give some exposition on what happens there. Yeah. And in the spirit of disclosure, I did one playthrough naturally, um, just like getting a bad ending because you're likely to get a bad ending on your first time through, mm-hmm. and then did the prerequisite ending and the real ending. Yeah. So I have done three endings of this game, and Cole has done all six. Yes. Yep. So, so let's talk about... Several uh, times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, door number five, the first class cabin with uh, Junpei, Seven, and Snake. Yes. So this is you taking a bullet for the team and making sure Jin doesn't have to see that body again yes. uh, and tiptoeing over this exploded body uh, to uh, to get into this very nice cabin. And the puzzle here revolves around music. Yeah. Um, so like these glass plates that are uh, have musical notes on them. Mm-hmm. And what oftentimes happens in these games is that you the final puzzle is actually right there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But you have to collect stuff around the room. Yes. So it becomes like um, finders keepers or what have you on Nickelodeon um, to get the things you need. And this is one of those puzzles. Right. There's some story stuff that happens alongside this. Like Snake talks about how he uh, sees things um, uh, without without being able to actually see. Um, and Seven also talks about how he has amnesia 
um, and he has these headaches that spring up. Uh, spoiler, if you are making wrong decisions. Yes. Yep, yep. And that will all make sense to you mm-hmm. eventually. Um, ultimately, like the end puzzle for this is you're playing uh, the musical notes, like you're playing mm-hmm. the staff you've created on a piano, but the notes are all transposed in weird ways. Yeah. Um, so it ends up kind of being a little bit like trial and error. Mm-hmm. Like once you figure out one bar, you can reference it mm-hmm. to figure out the remaining bars. Like I like this puzzle. I yeah. like this room. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also liked the puzzle that got you into the selenetic agent mist. Oh, but like yeah. I could understand if somebody was tone deaf, how this would be a wall for them. It does a nice thing for that though, because it uh, the they, notes when you get them right, it glows. Yes. So you could do this purely visually if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're introduced to kind of the other sets of lock and keys, which are these doors locked with planet symbols. And this gets far more complicated than I want to talk about on the show, actually, because this does have a plot implication. Which doors you can open up? Some of them just get you out of the uh, out of the areas, but some of them actually open up new areas and determine who who gets what key determines how the ending goes. Hmm. So yeah, I, that, that's definitely something I missed in my my playthrough. It's tough to yeah. keep track of, and also um, the different planet keys map to different Greek gods, and knowing about the nature of those gods tells you what's going to be behind those keys or behind those doors. Huh. Yep. Well, that that is that is uh, theoretically neat. Theory, even, yep. if, even if it does require, uh, you know, <laughs> playing through the same game a bunch of times. Yep, as many times as I have. Yeah. Um, so there are two things about leaving this room. Uh, first off, Seven has a habit of propping doors open. Uh, mm-hmm. He seems he's, he's very canny in that regard. People are suspicious about that, but uh, he does it. Also, there's kind of a dangling loose thread in this room. There is a safe that you are not able to open, but you have seen it and noted its existence. Which is really weird, because in a room escape kind of thing, you could reasonably think you're going to have to open the safe mm-hmm. um we will come back to it but i i thought that was really strange yeah um it also notes that you're going to go through like each number door will usually lead to a couple puzzle rooms mm-hmm. it's not just each number door which is kind of weird mm-hmm. like uh there, it's like a puzzle room chain because we have the next one which is a casino yeah um which is a really really lightweight puzzle pretty much like this is them hammering the digital root in again yeah yeah, and, and, and telling you that it's Baccarat. And this is, you know, the second very long explanation with a lot of history <laughs> of, of Baccarat that is that plays into my no sense of urgency thing where like <laughs> because we didn't we didn't actually mention this. They have nine hours until the ship sinks. Yes. Um and it we the game starts at uh is it uh nine PM. Yes. So the uh <laughs> if you're looking for a number, it's probably not. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so there's some kind of number somewhere between eight and ten. So anytime anyone can explain the entire backstory of something, they will. And mm-hmm. Seven explains Baccarat to you in excruciating detail, rather than just taking the fucking cards from me and doing the puzzle because he knows Baccarat. <laughs> yeah, everybody is just kind of like, you know, it's it's a little bit like when you have a little kid and you're trying to do some kind of project and you like set it up and make sure they're not going to cut themselves. I'm like, no, you do it. You do yeah, it. Exactly. like you're like they're always helping helping Mama cook. Like you are you you know you're always helping Mama cook mm-hmm. in this game. Like fear for your life, Seven. Like like <laughs> yeah. this time that you spent like will be used against you like <laughs> it, it is just like and it, this isn't the most excruciating but yeah. it's just a, it's a thing that that i gained ill will for mm-hmm. with repetition yeah and you, you know so this is this is one of those things this is where we're going to differ in it because although i recognize how goofy this is this falls under the you're loving this Cole, aren't you from L.A. Noir. Oh, sure. It's like, oh, I'll learn about a thing. Let's kick back. I want to read about this. Like the creator wants to tell me about something. 
I'll totally learn about a thing. Yeah. But it, it, it you just it brings a lot of things down with the ship. So it's yep. it's not just the sense of urgency that this negatively impacts. It's any kind of verisimilitude in the dialogue. Yep. Um, nobody acts like a person, which is fine. You don't have to dialogue does not have to be realistic to be mm-hmm. good. Um, but this contributes to a general badness of dialogue. Yeah. Like, I think the dialogue in this game is among the worst we've ever played. Hmm. Um, it's not the worst. Like it's, I think this game, and I, I've said this a bunch on Twitter, but I, I stand by it is when people say that they like the writing in this game, mm-hmm. I think they like the plotting. Yeah. But and the actual, this, like this is ex- a gigantic, delicate machine that they have built here. Yes. Yeah, it, the, the plot is impressive in the way that it it works together, even though, like, the actual ending twist, I was expecting a little bit more just because it had been built up yeah. a lot for me. Like, I like it, but it is, and I like the way the pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. But to make that fit together, the glue, the mortar you're putting between those bricks is really, really clumsy exposition and yeah. dialogue and at every and, turn. And, like, so something that when something that good dialogue does, especially in a non-auditory medium, um, is make the characters sound different, right? Yes. Each of the characters is speaking in the author's voice. Yes. And kind of expressing what the author wants them to express. And so there are a couple of ticks and a couple of kind of nods toward, you know, some kind of personality, but mostly it's a gimmick around their appearance or, you know, around their history. And even that is exposition in and of itself that they will take their time getting to. That is one of the huge ways that this falls down is that everybody sounds the same. It is, they're, they're bad badly developed characters like mm-hmm. there are no good characters in this game mm-hmm. like it is that's not what it's it's there for yeah which and part of what made that frustrating for me is that it is like the second half of visual novel is novel yeah like this wouldn't work as a novel mm-hmm. it wouldn't be lauded as such because it is even if the plot's kind of interesting the the moment-to-moment writing is so bad mm-hmm. as to to not work at all and it's like, it's one of those things like it, I'm going to be in danger of saying, oh, well, virtue's last reward, blah, blah, blah. Like it does do it better. That is not an excuse for it doing it here. But a lot of my goodwill for this is knock on afterglow goodwill from VLR. Well, and people have told me it reminded me a lot of when people talk to me about grad school, uh-huh. like as a 34 as a, as a year old man who's in getting finishing up his undergraduate degree. I have a lot of problems with like. You know, this education I'm getting, like I have problems with the instructors and my classmates and everyone I talk to is just like, mm-hmm. oh, that gets so much better in grad school. Yeah. But like, how much do you want from me? You well, know, like, Mass Effect 2 is so much better than Mass Effect 1, Gary. To- like, totally. And I don't blame <laughs> you for that. Like, I, I wasn't going to draw that connection. But, like, no, no, I was I was doing it to make fun of that thing because I know I've said it and I know it's a lot yeah. to ask of you, right? Like, where, just, what are you going to give? And like, I kind of hope through, you know, two years down the line, we can do VLR. Maybe like it'll be the kind of thing like it'll take me a while to forget yeah. how annoyed I was with with this thing because like and and when I was complaining on Twitter like everyone came out of the woodwork to be like no 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 VLR does it so much better yeah and it's like I believe that they can do it better mm-hmm. but I just I it'd be hard a, not to it totally like and I spent a lot of time on this like yeah. it's not a short game and it is so much of it is inactive mm-hmm. you know like it is. I mean, and we'll talk about it when we start talking about the mechanics around replaying sections. Yeah. Um, which, like, it just it would have been really easy to do better. Mm-hmm. And and even if the writing was bad, if it went by a little bit breezier, mm-hmm. like, I would have been so much happier. Like, the thing, when you're talking about how everyone speaks in the author's voice, 
Um, I thought the plot was going to be these people all exist in my head. <laughs> you thought they were going to do an identity? They're all John yeah, Cusack? <laughs> totally. Because like I was like, oh, I'm dreaming this or something. Because these all, all these characters have the same voice and they're all just recalling encyclopedia entries. <laughs> this has to be – these have to be robots or this has to be hallucinations I'm having. We're all and in these the are different aspects yeah. of my personality. Totally. Like, and that would make – that would square the circle uh-huh. with, with, with how badly they're written. Uh-huh. Um, but these are supposed to be distinct characters with with hopes and dreams and fears. Mm-hmm. And at no point is that evident. Yeah. And like it just I, and I, I was I'm this is a douchey thing to say. It's like as somebody who like tries to write, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to make any, you know, like claims say, to be good at it. No. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> yeah, saying yeah. that I'm good at it, but somebody who tries to be good at it. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating to see it done so shittily. Yeah, and to and to see it done so shittily and rewarded. Like, you know, I, I can I can probably you know. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, just yeah. like to, to, to see it regarded. That's what we're here to do, right? Like, yeah. I'm coming back to it with you know with rose colored glasses, and I'm doing that annoying thing that I do where I just try and look for the positive. Yeah, it's not, I mean it's not annoying. Like there are positive things to. Yeah. about the game yeah but i could but i can totally see where you're coming from and like i just intellectually i i look at it but you know i'm i'm a kid who fell for the palinic trap when i was in high school you, you know yeah you know and i still read like his books it's fine you know it's 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 good there's there, there's a lot of good stuff there so this scratches an itch that i know is a little bit of a guilty pleasure yeah and and i i read those books too and i don't think poorly on them necessarily mm-hmm. it it honestly really has to do with like amount of chronological real estate state spent yeah it's like it's very similar to my jrpg problem where like mm-hmm. you can say non-stop boring random battles are one problem mm-hmm. in a jrpg but if that one problem takes up 70 percent of your time yeah that's that has more weight than one problem and like yeah this is one problem in this game that is going you're going to spend the majority of your play time on this burger would be great if the meat wasn't rotten it, it totally exactly like the lettuce is crisp the tomatoes <laughs> are juicy but the meat is, you know, is, is riddled with flies. And that's, that's what's going on here. Yeah. Um, and like, it's so, so easy to fix. Like, why can't I make dialogue go faster? <laughs> I know. I right? can't, you can't click A to make dialogue go faster. <sighs> yep. What, what game has ever had that? Like you yeah. can do that in fucking, like that happens in Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. If you click A and it's because they're trying to control a pace, mm-hmm. but that but they, works they for have a no movie. But, for pacing. <laughs> well, the, the, there's that. And that works for a movie, but it doesn't work for, for yeah. a novel. You're reading, you can control the pace of your reading and you can, you are an adult who can understand that fictional, that fictional time doesn't pass at the rate of regular time. If you look totally. at, if you look at how, <laughs> yeah. how, whoa, why did, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're telling me that over the course of glory, the entire Civil War was solved in four hours? No, sir. It was at least five or six years. Yeah. Matthew Broderick so we... couldn't have done that. I respect the man, but... Yeah, so this conversation has to take place in real time. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it's 24 syndrome. It. It's like, it's the same problem I have with voiced RPGs now, uh-huh. but it's so much harder when I'm still reading it. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, and this, this will be the longest rant I have on this. Like, I no, won't that's... point out every single time, but that is my fundamental. That's my least favorite thing about this game. Gary, we're doing an amazing job of cordially disagreeing about this thing, yeah, but also no, agreeing. Are. It's going to disappoint a lot of people. <laughs> but, but like that, that is, that was a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. Like as far as this game getting a pass for me. Yeah. Like that, that made, made the, and the, again, just, quoting myself on Twitter, like no matter how good the ending is or how good the puzzles are, it doesn't take away the bad part. They just mm-hmm. exist side by side. Yeah. You know, it's and funny. this is the beginning of it. Like Baccarat was how it began. <laughs> the, uh, the how long to be for this is nine hours. I kind of wonder if they timed out the pacing exactly around that. 
I think I, I I had that thought too. Yeah. Like, which you know, I I admire your your stringent adherence to a theme. <laughs> um, but it but doesn't. This... It didn't make for a better game. And so I was I was playing this and checking it, even as I was taking rigorous notes, which you can see in the backers blog. Um yeah. <laughs> no, even I was you know, as I was laying in bed taking notes on a notepad or whatever, um I, I was like, okay, yeah. And then I went and checked in the three DS that you have the, the the little activity monitor. I got through in like five and a half hours for both of the critical path endings. Mm-hmm. So like this game, by virtue of the fact that you can't skip text, is at least forty percent padding, which is yeah. fucking crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, that I, is just, I, I, that I can is go. Little. I can go faster because it was all replay, and you can just skip, skip, skip. Yeah, and I and I couldn't do that. Yeah. and then when, we'll talk about skip, skip, skip <laughs> uh, when we get to that. But I have problems with the way that was implemented too. Even though like better than nothing, mm-hmm. but. Um, so after you do this background puzzle, you get to the next story section. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get back on track. I just, <laughs> I couldn't hold it in anymore. We, no, no, we have to get it out and like it pops yeah. up. And so we just, we just got to hit it. You know, if, if, if I didn't go through that long section, I was just going to bring it up every, oh yeah, yeah. every single time. It's just so, going to be titrated the entire length of the episode. Yeah. So you leave the, uh, the, 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 uh, um, the casino after doing a little, um, another digital root puzzle, again, hammering that in and, uh, you get to a large hospital room. Um, why does this cruise line, cruise liner have a, uh, a bunch of hospital beds? Well, it turns out there was a crazy man named Lord Gordain who bought one of the replicas of the Titanic. Yes. That was a hospital ship in one of the world wars. And seven explains this because again, everyone's speaking the same voice. It doesn't matter who <laughs> it's not significant. Who knows what? I mean, this, this kind of is, um, mm-hmm. as will will be explained, but yeah. most times it's not. Yeah, there, there's a reason for a lot of people to have some common knowledge around a common theme, but that is yeah. that is not apparent until far too late. Yeah, yeah, um, um, and and the specificness of it too, like yeah. why this specific person said it when it turns out that like almost anybody could say mm-hmm. a lot of the things. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the thing that's blocking your progress is the fact that all of the reds, the card readers or whatever that are by the doors, are inactive. Their guts are missing. So there's yeah. a break to go and search for these things. But over the course of this of this uh, hunt, Snake goes missing. Yes. So you do a search for Snake, um, which you go through. And in each of these areas you've already been to, you run into one of your companions and you get a little story bit. Yeah. Um, um, it's important to note Clover and Snake are siblings. Yes, we yeah, we forgot to mention that. Yes, so uh, they have a connection. Uh, the connections between the others are not as apparent right now, but mm-hmm. um, as you're going to these different areas, you're talking to uh, different people, such as when you go to, uh, say, the casino, Lotus proposes an alliance. So, like, this is a killing game. Yes, and she can, uh, you know, propose that alliance because you are there with um, June, mm-hmm. right? And then, uh, well, I guess that still would make your digital one, If you joined with her, but she wants an alliance and uh, leave the other people behind. Um, In the first class cabin, Clover pushes you away because she's sad about her brother. Yep. And uh, Ace points out how weird it is that Clover and Snake are siblings because he says uh, they don't look like each other. Yep. Which is important. Yep. Yep. Um, in the hospital, Santa tells you to trust no one. So this is where the uh, the the, the fellowship has broken. Yes. Yep. Um, So after you eventually you get back. Um, you know, snake's missing the, the, but the reds are back and mm-hmm. you have to make a decision how to split up Yeah. Um, without snake. Everybody can't go. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> in a very weird move, um, Ace decides to stay behind and to do so, he injects himself <laughs> yep. with a, with a, a sedative. Yep. With some like, anesthetic that he just happens to have on him. Yep. Good night. You know, like, 
Um, and he does this for a very specific reason to make it as hard yes. as possible for you to go to a specific door. But yes, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just out of nowhere that he's like, Z. At this point, it's nonsensical. Mm-hmm. And like, you could say like, oh, for the player, just wait. But the characters also don't react as if like, oh, that's fucking crazy. Like, they, <laughs> they, so they say like, no, we don't want to leave you behind because we like you. Nobody says like, you're going to inject yourself with a drug to like not go. That's so fucking weird. Yeah. Um, so uh, at this point, we go through door, num- door number eight without June. Right. So yes. you're going with uh, it's, it's a Humpe, uh, Junpei, rather, uh, Clover and Lotus. Um, yes. through into this laboratory, uh, which has this uh, lifelike robot that uh, everybody is scared of. Yes, um, which actually just looks really goofy. Yep. But it is weird that there's a lifelike robot here. Mm-hmm. And Clover gets trapped in the robot room <laughs> while you are on the other side. Yeah, so uh, this room is about you communicating back and forth with Lotus, or sorry, with Clover. Uh, they're both types of plants, so confusing. Yeah. Um, and uh, kind of directing her to do things in the other room, such as uh, erase uh, an ink spot with some ethanol to find some numbers, and uh, 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 which promptly allows you to get a lot of exposition from Lotus about wireless uh, wireless displays. Yes, which. I, this was one of the the digressions that does play off in the in the twist, but in a way that I thought was inadequate. So like most ones of the I digressions play off in the twist. Yes, they're, yeah. they're, they're all related though. to it. Yeah, yeah like th- this does thematically kind of match what they're going for, mm-hmm. um, but in a way that, again, at the time just feels yeah. annoying. But uh, we get a really really gratuitous shot of her boobs while she's hacking. <laughs> also, we learn that she's a hacker. Does that pay off in one of the other endings? Like, I was talking about background for her. Is there a reason she's a hacker? Yes. Okay. I mu- I must have missed that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I did get it, so um, she's a ha- a boob hacker. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and the, the thematic stuff that she's saying is like, you know, if cavemen saw this, they would they would not think that the computer was doing the calculations because it's wireless. They would think the monitor was doing the calculations. Yeah. And, and what if your brain worked the same way? Like, it is just an output device, but there's something off-screen, intangible, that's actually doing the the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and she brings up the idea of a, of a disease or a condition called prosopagnosia, um, mm-hmm. which relates to this in, you know, monkeys' faces, right? Like, the way that we look at monkeys and can't tell the difference between them, what if there was some fundamental severing of the way we interpreted this output versus input um, uh, situation that made it so we actually couldn't tell the difference, right? Yeah, this is yeah. a real condition. This is face blindness, uh, mm-hmm. which you would otherwise call it. Um, and after dropping all of this very plot relevant stuff, he says, "Ah, just kidding. I'm just funning." Yeah, yeah. And 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 she's hacking at this point anyway. So there's no. She's not talking instead of just tippity tapping. Yeah, just tapping, doing a brute force attack. Doing doing a cool puzzle. One. Were you in this puzzle game? <laughs> That's one of the um, things. Uh, um, uh, Jala, friend of the network and sometimes co-host on the level, she was talking about playing the iOS version, and it would be like the the story goes. And then they walked into this room and solved a bunch of puzzles and came out with all this exposition and stuff. Like, no, I want to solve the puzzles. Damn it! Like, yeah. don't describe the puzzles if I can't do them. Yeah, it, it's weird because they could have like. There was no way for them to to get away with not having a reference to the puzzles. Mm-hmm. You know, because that plays in so heavily yeah. in the the, the purpose. Uh, yeah, everything. a lot of the puzzles actually just like inform some of the themes. They're like related yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, um, you know, she gets in the computer, you get in the computer, um, and you tell, uh, eventually you end up starting a fire. You, you uh, hook up some wires and the mannequin gets set on fire, which opens up a, a smoke alarm, which allows you to mm-hmm. open the door yep. and, uh, and get Clover out. There's a light, there's a lights out puzzle, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, Clover gives a little bit of exposition about, uh, about a, an accident. Uh, that snake was in that left him blind and actually uh, cost him his left arm. And she was asking, because you know, she's concerned about him, if he was acting weird when you were with him uh, behind door five, kind of alluding to the fact that who you're with in rooms at different times um, is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you get out, um, you get another kind of story bit here after you set off the fire alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you reunite, reunite with everybody, um, use your planet keys. This is, uh, I'm, I'm not going to complain about for a long time, but this is another one of the seemingly endless map seg- segments. Yeah. Do, can, do you have a defense for these? Because mm-hmm. I don't. No. Like, okay. I mean, just, I, again, I'm not going to beat up too much, but like in fiction, if somebody needs to walk somewhere, you don't like literally say like, he went through the hall, into the room, through mm-hmm. the kitchen, into the bathroom, into the other room. It's the, like, it's you just the, say he it, went to the porch. It's the Gabriel Knight thing, right? Like, where do you cut in? Like, you know, yeah. do, do you show Grace walk in and take off her coat and put it on and then walk up the stairs? No, you cut into her walking into the most into the most relevant portion of it. And so what they're trying to illustrate with these map sections is, oh, no matter which door we go through, we're all going to be reunited anyway. Like, yeah. It, it just it doesn't matter. We can stay together if we need to, which should be like loud and clear. This is not a killing game. Like it doesn't matter who you go with as long as you go. But um, no, they just spend time showing different colored arrows wandering down these things when just making the point like, oh, it looks like we all we all get back together after every room would have sufficed. Well, here's the thing is that it would have sufficed. It does suffice when seven starts saying it. Mm-hmm. And then every time it becomes relevant. Seven says it again, Junpai remembers it, and then it flashes back to Seven saying it, mm-hmm. and then flashes back to the map. Yeah. Like, it's not a hard concept. Like, no. there's there's elements of this that are like, it is a very complicated story. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's like a paradox of being a very complicated story, but also not having enough trust in the reader. Yeah. You know, like, it is, you need a certain amount of hand-holding to get this, mm-hmm. but the hand-holding does not come in the correct places. Right. Like, the actual stuff that's hard to get Mm-hmm. They don't underline enough. The things they do underline are asinine and stupid. <laughs> and this is one of those things. Like yeah. there are so many of these map se- sequences. Yeah, and that and that plays back into why the like the different planet keys don't really work out. Like you never need to make a decision with them. It's just you know they're, they're, they are just set dressing that says, oh, now we can open up these different areas that we otherwise would not be able to. Which yeah. again should suffice like your state and your relative position as regards different rooms that you've been through or different rooms you could go to isn't really that important because there's really just you know three sets of rooms and two decisions that you need to make before it opens up into the end game yeah Yeah. you know and so like the amount of time again it's it's a matter of the amount of time they threw in the amount of time does not actually pay off you know where the complexity actually lies yeah and that that's what that caused a lot of resentment for me. Like, just like, why am I wasting my time on this instead of the stuff that's actually interesting? Yeah. You know, about this. Um, it's fine to have Easter eggs. Like, mm-hmm. I like the idea of that planet thing, which I didn't put together. Like, I'll fully mm-hmm. admit. I like that idea quite a bit. Um, but if it's an Easter egg, it needs to be an Easter egg. If it's important, you know, <laughs> you don't need to. You can just tell me once and I'll get it because yeah. I'm an adult and I'm reading this game about, like, you know, exploded people. Like, I, I can... <laughs> 
you know, there's not there's an age for this that's appropriate yeah. for you don't need yeah. to hold my hand that much. It, it, it is rated mature and they're dealing with very, uh, you know, if not difficult, at least heady themes. Yeah. Yep. 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 So after looking at a map for a good long while, a map that is effectively meaningless and roughly reflects the shapes of the rooms you've been in. Well, <laughs> like most maps of rooms. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, Clover wants to go through door three because it is the one place that you have not been able to look for uh, Snake so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, um, you know, she's going to do that. You head through this uh, Jupiter door mm-hmm. with Lotus and June and it uh, goes back to the main hall. Um, there's an elevator. You want to see if it's safe because there's some flooding. You find a six door. Um, you find a one door, yeah. which is good. Uh, there's also a moment where you can have this super uncomfortable and way too sexualized conversation with June about yeah. whether or not she wants to be alone in an elevator with a boy. Again, Holy just, shit. just laced it, with way too much innuendo. It is it is like abject suffering levels of dirty. Yep. Like in the... Because um, it, it's like I, I chose it because when I was going through on my second... I figured out. She's like, why wouldn't she want to take the elevator? It's like, oh, because water, duh. Mm-hmm. And then the other option is the boy thing. So I would always choose an option I hadn't chose before if yeah. it wasn't plot critical on my replay to see more of the game. And it is an endless thing about like her being like is it wet down there and he's like well yeah it gets wet down there and it's fucking gross yep <laughs> like, just like how old are these kids well, um, well uh, <laughs> she hmm, I, I don't want to give away the twist yeah 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 <laughs> the uh but you know end result i mean it is gross mm-hmm. um and never ending <laughs> yeah. um the real thing of, of important that happens is that they actually find snake uh-huh. and he's been exploded in the shower room mm-hmm. volume four <laughs> <laughs> Meat knockers. <laughs> Gross. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you get another mostly food-based description yeah. of what happens when a bomb explodes in somebody's abdominal cavity. Yeah. Uh, that smells of burnt meat, fish, and feces, which, mm, boy. Yep. His his arm is broken, like a bone mm. is sticking out. And uh, and his clothing is is red you know, light. Red light. Put a flag in this. Red light. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's important that you're describing the arm and the clothing. Yep. Um, here and everybody gets at each other's throats. Yeah. At this point, and Clover points out the idea. Maybe one of us is actually zero. <laughs> no. You think? Well, maybe I saw this yeah. before in fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from fiction. Yep. What's fiction? Well, the beginnings of fiction are actually. Uh, <laughs> Well, you see, Herodocles once postulated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it's fucking three a.m. now. So where was all your time when you were goddamn talking about maps? Um, so good, good job, idiots. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, the, you, uh, one of the people found uh, found a, found the Mercury key to take you to room two, which opens that up as your as your third kind of option here. Uh, don't go to room two; it'll end your game. Uh, but uh, everybody <laughs> gathers together uh, for a very protracted section where you're talking about. Um, taking a vote on which door everybody wants to go through, which there's only a certain number of combinations you can go, so it doesn't really matter. Um, no, this, you, go ahead. This struck me as really weird. Yeah. Like, like I don't know why... So if, if it's important enough for everyone to have a preference mm-hmm. as to what room, 
why is it okay for Junpai just to override that entirely? Yeah. Why, based like, on it, and he cheats, which which is what happens. But just because he cheated, it doesn't mean he just gets to do what he wants. Right. And it turns out it does. Mm-hmm. Um, which this this is very strange, and I don't know why all this to do, especially when they position it right after the bell ringing for it being three a.m. Yeah. Like it's like it's taunting me. Yeah. So it's like you okay, know? like don't don't make it like which door you do you want to go through. It's here are the two options available to us. So the three options, which of them does everybody want? <laughs> like do yeah. do it for that. Just just make it a very complicated democracy system. Yeah. But but ultimately we're going into door six. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the engine room. Uh, which you go into with June, Santa, and Ace. And this is my least favorite puzzle. I think this is a really terrible this puzzle. This is really bad because the room is impossible to navigate. And that That is the puzzle. The puzzle <laughs> is navigation, and you're doing it in the 999 engine. Yes. Which, like, we didn't talk about this very much, but you're just seeing, you see a static shot, like, um, you know, Shadowgate or something. Yeah. Yeah, or like Mist. Um, but you can flip to a map that shows where you're at in the room. Mm-hmm. And the puzzle part of this game is almost entirely the fact that everything looks the same. Yeah. Um, and that's bad. So, like, th- this is a really annoying puzzle mm-hmm. to me. And when I first played this game, so I get, you know, I've beat this game three times for the show. I beat it one and a half times when I first came to it. Mm-hmm. And this is when I, where I bounced off on my second playthrough before. Yeah. I just got to this and I was like, fuck this. I don't want to go through a walkthrough. Like, I'm mad at this and, and stopped <laughs> because of this puzzle. Yeah. So it's mirrored in a weird way. Like, you're walking through these kind of combustion chambers as they go along and you're trying to find a way to kind of. Uh, power up the engine so you can move these gears uh, to get the uh, to get the items that you need. So you have to load some coal around, and there's some like pattern rotation puzzles that you have to do with these discs that you find. Um, and alongside this, uh, Ace is talking about these experiments that were done uh, with rats in these kind of submerged mazes. Um, and the important thing is that over generations they got better at solving the maze. Mm-hmm. When they had no reason to actually have the knowledge uh, that the uh, that the previous generations had, um, and the, uh, the the electricity and the water were necessary because it added stakes to the idea, and this is you know kind of related to an, uh, a principle which is super weird and super fascinating: the hundredth monkey which relates to populations of monkeys across different islands and how information travels across. Again, the author having a cool idea that like, I'm super interested in, but it's communicated in a very clunky way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And kind of drawing a link between the etymological roots between emerge and emergency. What emerges when you are pressed? Yes. Yeah. It's just, you know, and they're, what they're doing is they're underlining this idea of this, like, I, like a collective unconsciousness. Yes. You know, it's like the, the shorthand way to put it, like that we learn things as a species without in, learning them as an individual. Yeah. There is something um, unseen between us that information can travel across. And there are, there are no less than three metaphors for this, I want to say. <laughs> oh, no, Gary. If you're talking about the other endings that you didn't see, let's take it up to six or seven. Okay. <laughs> so every possible thing that could express that idea, uh-huh. the Wikipedia for that is read by a character <laughs> in this game. So the actual last puzzle of this, this disc rotation thing, I think is kind of fun. Um, as you're doing it, you run to Santa, who's holding a photo of his sister, mm-hmm. and uh, she died nine years ago. Mm. Um, she's probably nine years old, and uh, he he acted as Santa Claus for her, which is another reason why he chose that name. Yep, and it's sad because he's a sad. sad little he's a sad little club kid. And at this point, I actually liked this character. Mm-hmm. Like uh, he seemed a little bit like um, 
like a more benevolent version of the comedian from like oh. Watchmen or something. Like he's Ooh, just kind of like that's a cynical. super deep cut. Yeah, <laughs> I guess not the, deep um, cut. He's like one of the primary primary movers yeah. and shakers. I just wouldn't connect Watchmen to this. Well, just just the um, like in that like he's kind of like the, this is a joke, mm, you know. Yeah. Like he's got like an attitude about it that is irreverent. Yeah, in a way. Um, After this, you go into the cargo room where you learn a little bit more about Ace. Yes. So um, this is this isn't really a puzzle. It's just a collection thing. Like you're mm-hmm. just collecting cards with everyone's name on it and just looking in things. That's most of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, but you end up, you know, kind of finding out that Ace is this uh, pharmaceutical president of this place called Cradle Pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And uh, the Soparil is a gaseous anesthetic. Right, which is used in war and for executions and all kinds of things. That's how he made his uh, his his fortune. And yep. part of the puzzle is like the things that you're collecting are these cards uh, with pins that are related to in, like the, the individuals in your team, right? So they are pictures of people's faces, and you have to correlate their number to what they are. And Ace dodges having to uh, take part in this, saying that he has bad eyesight in his advanced age. And Junpei, having you know heard Lotus's explanation of prosopagnosia, um, says, "Oh, it's probably that. Eh, oh yeah. well, just a goof, am I right?" Yeah, that that won't be important later. Yeah, <laughs> um, I will. I will say that like the the times when the plot like really worked for me in this game are like the parlor scenes, mm-hmm. like are the are Junpei uh, laying out the things he's figured out. Yeah, are interesting mm-hmm. to me because the I didn't I didn't figure that out in advance. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, did you did you know he had face blindness the first time you played this? By the time you got this part in the game. To this point, like, I just kind of accepted it as a plausible explanation when Junpei kind of, like, said, oh, here's here, here's what this is, just because of, like, the conservation of detail and narrative. If it's brought up once, it's probably going to pay off somehow. I See, at this point, when I was playing it, I didn't trust the game no. enough for that. Because, like, because it spent, again, this is an, another, like, problem I have with the game is that it spends so much time that, like, there's just a lot of chaff. Yeah. Like every detail that's mentioned specifically does tie into things. Mm-hmm. There's just so many words between those details that like yeah. it just gets hard to, you know, point out what's going to end up being important and how. I I um, also played this 5 years ago and all of us hopefully were different people 5 years ago. Oh sure. And I was yeah. unemployed and I think I played it over the course of a month and I had nothing better to do, so why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I this came at a point when which I hadn't really considered trying to figure out why he was dodging the thing. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was suspicious, but I wasn't like, didn't realize I had the point, the things here to put together. So in that, in that respect, like hats off, you know, good mm-hmm. job. Yeah. And like, you gave me the things to figure it out and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's fine. It, it, <laughs> it, it is Shalamia, Shalamananian of, yes. of you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this leads into a really cool puzzle that I like because it actually does require you to break out some pen and paper where you mm-hmm. take these nine numbered pins and you're trying to uh, solve these di- these digital root puzzles. And there's also um, an introduction of hexadecimal to this and mm-hmm. different kinds of uh, addition that you need to do that to solve a magic square in hexadecimal. So like I'm just I'm digging in like I'm salivating at the moment that I see the magic square. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> yeah. give it to me, please. Add them all up to F. Yes, hurt me more. The, the, uh, I, I had already gone through the hexadecimal nightmare okay. at this point in my bad ending because mm. there's another explanation of it. Yeah. Um, so the uh, I, I wasn't like I'm not super into the hexadecimal stuff mm-hmm. in this game. If like does the hexadecimal stuff tie into the theme um, or is that just like a number counting thing that dude liked? 
Um, this so it introduces you to the the idea of different bases, which pays off into some of the twists that happen later on. Okay. Yeah, yeah we'll, so we'll have to talk about those. Te- at that teaching point. you different ways, di- di- different ways to count, um, just like how if we ever do rhythm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, um, if, if we ever do rhythm, one of my favorite puzzles, and that has to do with you, not as explicitly as this, because God, if this game doesn't just over-explain everything, has to do with you um, learning that the Denis uh, culture counts in both base five and base twenty-six. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is a fine puzzle. Uh, <laughs> you get a little programming Sokoban puzzle, mm-hmm. which is also like fine. Like it's, you know, it's good for what it is. Um, <laughs> you already get to this coffin. Um, and this coffin has a key, which you'll need. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has a golden revolver. Throwing uh, a little bit of, a little bit of danger into play. Yes. And you, everyone decides to leave it around and turn their back on everybody else. Yeah. Um, like I don't need this and turn their back and uh, trust that everyone else mm-hmm using the honor system will not pick up the gun. Yep. Um, and that factors into the different endings that you get. Um, mm-hmm. Who goes through this room um, determines um, the way that power shifts in the ending. Yeah. Who's going to have the gun? Yeah. Um, Cause it's not going to be you because you're an idiot. The, uh, <laughs> like, so, Oh, I'll hold this for safekeeping. Everybody seems to trust me. Yeah. So here, here's a very long uh, story bit that we get into. This is kind of the, the denouement mm-hmm. of the game. Like the gameplay section of this part is over. Like really, so like now we're on to the 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 mandatory ending, right? Yeah. So we find using some of the keys that were unearthed this chapel that has two doors marked with the number nine. Yeah, and you have the horrific revelation that like if the number nine man had lived, everyone could have survived, right? Because he never said that there was just one door, mm-hmm. which felt a little bit like bridge trolling to me like i never said there's just one door <laughs> like it, it seemed a little bit but it was like okay fine yeah it gets um, more bridge trolling later on yeah yeah it, it is definitely like a mischief mm-hmm. zero is a real mischief boy <laughs> um and uh there's this coffin that everyone ignores for one reason or another <laughs> um initially but as you leave to go look for for clover mm-hmm. um because she is missing um there's pounding on the coffin yeah which is horrifying like that gets to a lot of different people's fears yeah <laughs> about somebody being and they they have that kind of scare uh that scare shot and a lot of these different endings there is somebody in there and they do not know what's happening they are banging to try and get your attention yeah um you find clover she's back in room number three mm-hmm. um and she has this she lets you know like hey the like you mentioned something about the left arm of snake's corpse or something like that or she says like hey they remind me what his corpse was like and yeah. you're reluctant to go over it but when you do yeah. she says he that couldn't have been him because he had a fake left arm yeah so she now has some hope again, right? Like she didn't go in and see this corpse because obviously that is horrible, but she knows the snake is alive out there somewhere, which would be all well and good if you didn't very quickly find her dead in the first class cabin stabbed in the back. Yes. Um, so which there are a lot of suspects at this point. So seven left the door propped open. Um, you find the ninth man's bracelet is actually missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get there and she actually has a Clover has a note, yeah. which you read. Um, which says uh, the truth, truth was gone. Truth was gone. Truth was gone. And now the truth was asleep in the darkness of the sinister hand. Ooh, sinister. Um, Ned Flanders taught me this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the, the origins of sinister began the, um, you see Sinestro was a Spider-Man villain. And... Yeah. People used to shake their right hands because they'd hold a weapon in it. And that's yes, their because they were used to, was, was yeah. used to wipe their shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but this is an awesome, this is a really cool puzzle. Mm-hmm. I like this, this bad boy. Cause another word for truth is what is correct or right. 
Mm-hmm. Another word for gone is what has left. Yeah. So this is telling you right, left, right, left, right, left. Mm-hmm. Which those buttons that you've seen on your watch, which, dear God, I wish that I had bought that. Oh, the the version that came with the watch? Yeah. Oh, man. It was a GameStop pre-order. I could have had it, Gary. I could be wearing a 999 bracelet. Yeah. We'll just wait for Fallout 4 to come out so you can be the coolest guy in the classroom wearing your, your Pip-Boy. <laughs> well, no, I didn't get that either. But oh, Zero Escape 3, that's going yeah. to have the bracelet, too. So I just I pre-ordered that on Amazon, even though, it does, oh. even though it doesn't come out for two years. Oh, that's good. You'll at least get that bracelet. Yeah. It's weird that nobody pressed those buttons on the bracelet. I mean, I guess I, it's scary. Yep. <laughs> but at some point of desperation, no one was like, what do these do? It's tied to a bomb. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, if you press these in a certain order, this order that the note lays out, you uh, get a flash of numbers, uh, like, a, like a sequence of numbers, right? Also yep. in this note is a, a list of three facts about the non game. It was played once before, nine years ago. Snake- is that... Good. Is that the note? That's not the note she gives you. That's the note you find in the safe using the combo. Oh, right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay. There we are. Yeah. I got the, I got the causality. Just, just, so, just so everyone knows why we're doing the bracelet thing. Yes. Um, the, doing the bracelet thing gives you a code. You go in the safe and continue. Cool. Yes. Uh, so you get, uh, so, so you find out the game was played once before. Snake was involved in it and Cradle Pharmaceutical uh, executives were responsible. And Zero's motivation for this is to get revenge for the innocent lives that were lost or harmed um, in the process of doing this. Um, so Junpei at this point has all the info he needs and does his parlor scene, which is super cool. Yep. Um, he knows who the killer is, calls everyone in the hospital room, and uh, and and just turns into a master detective out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> it's just one thing I don't understand. <laughs> like, it's very weird, but like he's he's confident and it's fun to watch because yep. it's fun to watch, you know, high stakes emotional sparring. Oh yeah, he he fucking Atticus Finch's ace. Like yeah. instead of throwing a glass at him, he says, "Hey, I'm Santa. I change clothes with him." He's like, wait yeah, a minute, no, that's crazy. Yeah, and and he's like, no, because of your your bracelet, because you could only go into this room. He goes, ha ha. Mm-hmm. If you could see our face, you would have said it's because our, we yeah. look different. That is dumb, not dumb. the normal reaction a person would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel weird so, saying normal in that case because that's very normative of me, quite literally. If you have prospect knows that, that is not what a person without this condition would say. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you find out that Ace uh, actually knocked himself out. Um, so they couldn't go to door number three and see what he has done, what he had done yeah. at that point, which was killing uh, Snake. Mm-hmm. Um, he also stole the number nine bracelet because number nine is like the magic number in this. Yeah. Um, and won't affect the digital route. If you add nine to any numbers, it doesn't change the digital route. So mm-hmm. that person can go everywhere. So cornered, Ace admits to killing Snake and, you know, just gleefully describes the act like he is. He he is unhinged. He go, People go crazy really quick in this game mm-hmm. um, in a way that like. <laughs> If the game had been better at character work, I would think like, oh, it was he was a real cool cucumber. Like this guy is a like a master, master deception. But the character work wasn't there. Like anybody could just go crazy because it wasn't signposted. Like him being up to something was him being like a like him being a calculating, like a, a manipulator mm-hmm. was signposted. Him just being a, a fucking maniac was not, you know. And the, yeah. the times that people go crazy in this game don't feel right to me. Like yeah. when it happens at the other ending as well, um, just turning immediately to violence. And that one feels a little bit better than this. But yeah, this so so the the, the ways that, that the different characters act under stress, this is related to the Enneagram of personality, mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 Chinese like personality uh, uh, based around not the, the, you know, one through nine as it goes. But different people's personalities are not the, actually their wrist numbers. 
So, yeah. but, but in the Enneagram, there is a primary number and then there is a number that you revert to when you are stressed. And so whatever aces is, he turns into the distressed version of what that is. So there is a relation and they've plotted that out. Yeah. But he's also been distressed many times. Yeah. Like that's the whole point of the game. The game doesn't work if people aren't distressed. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the point of the experiment or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like this just being the, the thing that puts him over the edge still feels a little weird to me. Mm. Um, anywho. Um, so he killed Snake. He describes it with glee because he's a serial killer. Um, he killed Clover because of a relationship to Snake um, and for seeing something that he did in room number one. Yeah, which is, you don't see that right now, but uh, yeah. you will see it in a later ending. Um, yeah. And uh, you are, you know, it's made more clear the fact that this guy is related to Cradle Pharmaceuticals, the line with, you know, Zero's note. So you know why he is here and why he's been kind of put in these situations. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, he also just adding up villainy points. Um, he takes Lotus hostage at this point. And puts With the, the gun, gun and his crazy yep. eyes. Yep. And admits to killing nine and he did it by tricking him. Yeah. Um, he uh, tricked him into killing himself by telling him some lies. So when we first saw nine get killed and he said, you lied to me, we all assumed it was zero mm-hmm. who told him those things. And he was a plant, but it was actually ace. Yeah. So he runs off and June faints again, feeling feverish and cold at the same time. Yeah. For plot reasons. Yes. And um, you go back, you know, chasing him through. Uh, you can't go through the nine door, but you use the, uh, the the wrist code in order to get Snake out of the coffin. And he's in these weird cultist robes. Mm-hmm. This is the thing in all my playthroughs. I never figured out who kidnapped Snake and put the, and swapped the clothing. Like it would have to be either Santa or June, but I haven't I haven't worked out who would be where at what time. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, that kind of like mystery solving really requires making detailed timelines yeah. of things, which is not my my strength. When we played that Star Trek mystery, murder mystery game, mm-hmm. like it was real fun to just pretend to be Star Trek people and, and be catty. <laughs> and then at the end, like it was really down to like at 01650, this person had the blue bag, but saw somebody else carrying the red bag. Yeah. So the red bag couldn't be in 10 forward where the black bag was like mm-hmm. it was just really, really intense tracking things down to minute time. And that's not my strength. Like, yeah. I don't consider myself to be a stupid person, but that is not a way in which I am smart. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that either. Nope. Who put him in the robes. Yeah. We it eventually is... learn who the other person is who dies, mm-hmm. um, who was in Snake's clothing, but we don't know why Snake is wearing cult robes. Yeah. But he is there, and you get him up to speed, and you do a little bit of uh, figuring and uh, kind of decipher that Seven got the zero bracelet from Clover off of her body, right? But that, Mm. you know, that bracelet, even though it has zero on the display, actually acts like the six uh, bracelet. Yes. Yep. Which is for a reason that will make sense. Yeah later right that's connected to that uh yes different ways of yes but it can but, but it introduces doubt as to what the different bracelets actually are versus what they're making you think you are and plays into the overall conceit of the game which is is your immediate perception about a thing actually accurate yeah yeah um so uh snake actually you know he escapes with seven and junpai uh, by removing his bracelet from his false arm. Like, he's actually able to go through this door because he can actually just take off his bracelet. <laughs> Which, uh, in, in, you know, he says, like, I, I decided to keep this card close to my vest. Like, I could have done this the entire time, but People I was would distrust it. me if I wasn't following the same rules as everybody else. Yep. Yeah, which is true. Yep. Again, like, Snake is the dark horse of this game, I think. Like, he yeah. ends up being my favorite my favorite dude in this because he is that combination of, like, hyper-competent and, um, yeah. you know, charming. So... He's a Jack Kelso, but in the right genre. <laughs> <Exactly>. Like, 
<laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Um, so this big nine door gives you a pretty direct shot to the incinerator, um, where Ace, just deciding to rub, rub salt into Snake's wounds, gives a, a gleeful description of how he killed Clover. You know, talking about how he thrust the knife in and she gave under the pressure and all that. Like, it's really, really bad. Yeah, it's, it's some really disturbing violence against women. Yeah. And, uh, you know, violence against all all genders are, uh, you know, is described lovingly, mm-hmm. um, but not with the kind of sexual fervor yeah. that Ace does here um, against, like, clearly the youngest female character. Yeah. Pretty gross. Um, but this dry, drives uh, Snake into a murder rage. And uh, and he attacks and he shoots him, but he can't. He won't stay down because he's so filled with no. With like he 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 is he is a will golem at this point. Yeah. Um, and he goes down a couple of times, and he just has this this mantra. They describe him as being like a zombie, saying, "I'll kill you, I'll kill you," uh, trying mm-hmm. to take down this person. And once Ace realizes that Snake isn't going to go down, he's like, "No, no, it's fine. We can patch you up. It's all going to be good." Yeah. <laughs> Which um, I, I love the backpedaling. I like that too. Um, so you, you're forced out, and uh, he stays in here to make sure that uh, Ace gets incinerated. So if he's going down, he's going like you know, yeah. Uh, Snake's going down, Ace is going down. Yeah. You go back to the chapel where June has been resting, and she's dying yeah. um, of her fever um, in the chapel. And you get this little ending. This is the end, and Zero's voice pops over the loudspeaker. It says like, you know, I've been right here. It's game over. You chose the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't where he says. I thought this was the one where he's like, didn't I choose the wrong or like. You, you oh we're gonna die and he goes no you misunderstand the game is over like yeah. you know he, he implies that like no you're not necessary i thought the implication was not necessarily you're going to die you just fucked up like you it's, didn't it, do it's, it right. it's not like you lost i lost it, yeah, it's, exactly. it, yeah it's yeah. it's it's that it's that kind of thing like and it makes a specific allusion to the idea that you took the wrong path which i think implies an awful lot of like so if you are mature um, in your understanding of the uh, visual novel genre, you will know about paths and such like that. Mm-hmm. So this is them directly saying, like, go back and play again and make a different choice. Because, yeah. like, you were close, but this was still a catastrophic failure. Yeah, even though it's necess- a necessary catastrophic failure. Yes. Like, fail- you can't beat this game right out the bat. No. Um, so th- we're going through the true end. So this will be shorter than the last time because w- there's a lot of things that we've already done. Um, so I want to talk about just a little bit about how they handle this. Okay. Um, you get a little marker, like an emblem that shows what ending you've gotten. And they give you this fast forward function. Um, so if you've done something, if you've gone through dialogue before, you can fast forward through it. Yep. It's marked um, out in gray. Uh, and that's your visual yep. uh, kind of uh, confirmation of what's uh, what's happening. And it just stops when you get to something new. Um this doesn't work as well as I, it's supposed to. And this may not be saying that was evident since you had all the endings on file. Yep. So you technically had all the dialogue. But if you're playing this through, this is the second time you played, like it was for me. Um, well, first of all, just real quick, you, you have to redo puzzles. Yep. So, like, and some of them, yes, you can just put in a code because you know it. Um, a lot of them you can't, though. Like, right. until your character knows, you can't put in the code. Yeah. Or you have to find um, all the items that are necessary for the ending. Yeah, so that's that's a bad decision. You should just be able to bypass the, or at least just go to the dialogue that's important mm-hmm. and bypass the the puzzle. So especially this first one. So this first room that you go through, mm-hmm. you have to do six times if you're going to do all the endings. Yeah, that that's a bad decision. Mm-hmm. But the uh, even with the fast forwarding through text, it's not as good as it should be because, like as I mentioned before, in my bad ending, I got the whole spiel about hexadecimal. If another character is saying it, even if it's the exact same text. It counts as new dialogue. Yeah. 
if when I when I left the room to do that map segment, I had one extra a different person with me, and it like if one if you know Clover says yeah or Lotus says yeah, it considers the entire section new. Mm-hmm. So like there's no new information I'm getting, but I can't fast forward through it. That's super weird because like if somebody says yeah, like all of the dialogue, at least for me in my playthroughs of this, and I have a distinct recollection, is it marks whether or not you've seen an indiv- an individual piece. And so you can just fast forward after that. But if somebody else new is saying it and like it changes around, that's where it ends up being like a scene can't be skipped. I, that, that's what I'm talking about is if is one person saying like if, if a different person is with me who adds mm-hmm. non-relevant dialogue, I can't. But, fast but, forward but it's the still the same scene. thing. Yeah. 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 The, it, it is ninety nine point nine percent the same dialogue, but I can't mm-hmm. fast forward through it. Yeah. And that doesn't even go down. And that's has to do with these long winded descriptions as well, where like. I've seen, you know, I have somebody else with me. They're not going to participate in the conversation, but because mm-hmm. they're there, it Weird. counts as a new total scene. Yeah. So uh, I was able to fast forward through maybe half the dialogue I would have wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, keeping in mind that you can't skip through, that you can't press A to make dialogue go faster. So like during these sections where it's like, I fucking know this. Like I did this. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't do that. Like, I, yeah. I wanted to do that. I couldn't. No, no, but that's that, yeah. that's what it's making you listen to. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, exactly. And I'm just, like, trying to find something to do on my phone or something. Like, while well, I'm, like, so fucking bored. Like, mm-hmm. I know this, guys. Yeah. Trust me. Trust me, Axis Games. <laughs> um so like, anywho anyway um yeah. so again like again not to beat that drum because it was a false drum it is it, uh, you know it's it's not really there virtues less reward the way that they handle these multiple ending things you can actually jump to any any point in the story and it presents you with the whole tree yeah and also the rooms are all based around getting a code or yes a, or a key, yeah so you just have and you to, can go right to the end yep and it's in your notes after you have, yep. after you've discovered them so you don't have to solve all the problems over again so which is good idea it's a good idea and it shows that they learned their lesson it's just too bad that this exists as an artifact that is suboptimal to say the least yeah prior to them learning the lesson yeah so everything is the same up through the point where you have to make your first door decision between uh four and five right yep so because we went through four in the previous version uh let's go through uh five there sorry no because we went through five in the previous version let's go through four this time Yep, with uh, Junpai, of course, Lotus, Santa, and June. And this takes you into the second class cabin, um, this long hallway of, uh, of these moderately nice rooms uh, yes. that you can go around. And of course, this goes through, at this point, you know that the dead really isn't a thing, but you are watching them... <laughs> You're spending minutes watching them search for this. It ha- keeps happening, and they underline it. At some point, uh-huh. Junpei says, like, I'm so stressed out by it. I don't want this ever to get normal. Uh-huh. Um, like, I want to be done with this before I get used to this. Uh-huh. Um, but again, that's a that's a disagreement between the reader and the character. Yeah. That doesn't make for... It's a rare, like, you know, nod to verisimilitude that doesn't mm-hmm. make for a better game. Yeah. Like, we all know how deads work. Yep. You know? At this point, I know it better than anyone. Like it is, it has been hammered in my head so so many I've times. I've experienced it more time than any of the characters in the story have, and it's not complicated. Yep. Like, it, not only do I know it super well, but it's also really simple. Fucking dogs know it. Like, it's already part of the collective unconsciousness. The number of times I've heard it means that a hundred humans from now will be born knowing it. Like, it is. It will never go away. So you go through, um, and this has kind of a, a different conceit. There are two rooms that are roughly identical. 
um, mm-hmm. and you are trying to explore them to find ways to uh, to to get these tiles that you need to make a uh, to make a pattern that will bring you some more exposition along the way. You can talk with Akane about the number of men she has dated. Mm. Yeah. Or Anytime you're in a room with her, it's kind of like, ah, ah, will senpai notice me? I don't know. Yeah, you're just going to end up being kind of gross. Yeah. Um, with her because I mean you're in love with her, it's fine, but yep. it is kind of gross. Um, yep. but you are getting some some important little bits here. Yes. Um, so this uh this idea of uh, believing in curses, mm-hmm. um, this mummy's curse. You learn about the Titanic, some more, yep. um, the Olympic, and then what kind of ties into um. Something they're going to go into a lot later. Yes. Um, which, like, we'll, we'll have to talk about that because that is something that is also lost on me. Hmm. Um, the significance of, uh, of this character. Yeah. Um, but this uh, really neat real thing, the saponification, which essentially <laughs> is uh, something when people turn to soap. Yeah. Um, their fats in their body. Mm-hmm. Leading to a false sense of preservation, but the idea that on the Olympic or on the Titanic, um, and there is some controversy over which one, at least in the story, um, actually sank, whether or not there was this mummy who stayed frozen at room temperature. Um, Again, let's uh, let's put a red flag in this flashing red light, flashing red light. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But uh, but this is but this is brought in in the idea that such a phenomenon could exist. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you're doing, you're going through the puzzles, essentially getting these tiles and having to complete this picture mm-hmm. in, a, in a different room. Santa um, offers you a bookmark that has a clover on it for no real narrative reason other than the idea that it creeps him out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you have to take it. Yeah. So it, that becomes like the way that this articulates the little decisions. Mm-hmm. I would be furious if I did everything right in this ending. Yeah. And then just turn down this this one little thing. It's super stupid too because if you say no to this, like the the the, the rationale that Junpei gives is, you know, it just feels weird to take a gift from a dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which if he, if he, it wouldn't be weird if he didn't make it gendered. If it was just like we just met and we're in this really weird situation. Right. Why are you giving me a bookmark? Mm-hmm. Like you're not you're not tabling at a charity event. Like yeah. There's, there's no there's no reason for this. There's a reason uh, why the bookmark is significant to him. I don't know why he's trying to get rid of it. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, unless it's just like, you know, too many memories. <laughs> um, so uh, ultimately, you end up talking, you, you complete this picture and it is of a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lotus uh, brings up this whole idea of this uh, morpho, morphogenic fields, genetic fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially this experiment, um, which is similar to what we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Again, this idea that if enough people know a thing everyone will end up knowing it. Yeah. So the idea of this abstract black and white pattern that is meant to represent a dog, but not everybody recognizes it at first glance. If enough people are told that it is uh, supposed to represent a dog, will people who do not know that piece of information be able to see it at first, you know, at, at first go. And it turns out that because of this weird British experiment, twice as many people know that this is supposed to be a dog than the control group of people who were not told about another image that it was done in a similar way. Again, just throwing collective unconscious yep. in there. There are a lot of metaphors for that that have fly around. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little weird in joke where like Junpei says it's a Funyan Rimpa. Um, I have no idea what that is aside from it, just he made up something goofy. It, that's what it is. Like it, <laughs> the first Google result is the the Zero Escape Wiki. Okay, like it, it's not a real thing. Yeah. Um, so you know you learn that that's the important thing here. You eventually go into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another puzzle where like even if you know the ending, you can't skip it um which is a little bit frustrating and this is where hexadecimal was first introduced um which on my first way through yeah is that uh you know 
uh, Lotus recognizes a sequence of numbers and says, hey, maybe they're hexadecimal. Yeah, there's a there's like a voucher that says uh, 10 equals E or something like that, or 15 equals E something. I, I can't recall this off the, top, off the top of my head, but this is a like a like a key. It's a pad uh, for the cipher that you're going to see. So hexadecimal is going to factor in uh, based on the numbers of uh, uh, plates in these stacks. And if the the to get the good ending of the game, you just you want to hear about every little trivial thing that occurs. Yeah, to yeah. Everything she says here is going to be important and is necessary for the ending. Yep. Um, so you so you grab a rusty knife from a pantry, and June talks about the uh, the Titanic and about how uh, the events were predicted in some novels that were published by the author. Um, who also happened to uh, be a victim of the Titanic uh, ten years before the book actually, or before the ship actually sank. Yeah, and and she brings up this idea like maybe he's sending thoughts back to himself <laughs> through time. Super on the nose, June. Why don't you just say, yeah. "Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, like well, again, the, and and this is I don't know if this is a good thing. It contributes to it not being as obvious. Like it's very on the nose, mm-hmm. but the game is spending so much time taking you down weird tributaries of of trivia. Mm-hmm. Um, that at this point it's like, yeah, why not? You know, like I, I, I felt beaten into submission, you know, at this point. So I was yeah. just like, yeah, sure. Maybe that, you know, and it, and it, it trained me not to think about it. When nothing um, feels relevant, everything is relevant. Yeah, exactly. And it turns out like everything is relevant to a degree, but nothing feels relevant. Yeah. Like it's weird. Like it doesn't, it doesn't kill, it doesn't kill it with that. Mm-hmm. I don't think, um, you get trapped in this freezer. Um, in a weird kind of scene, like Lotus acts really weird here, and I don't know why. Mm. And getting out, it's like, oh, it's this doesn't feel like it's part of the puzzle. No, no, it's just a little side puzzle. It's a side road that you're going into, uh, understanding that dry ice mixed with water will create an explosion in a contained environment. But why we, don't we, while we're freezing to death, talk about Kurt Vonnegut? Yeah, which is, you know, talking about Ice Nine, which, like, if people have not read Cat's Cradle, Fuck is you. A spe- read it. Yeah, well, yeah that, that's <laughs> it true. Like I mean, a, really... It takes like an hour. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. It, it respects your time. The um, so the uh, the idea is that there's a certain way chaining of ice that would be contagious, and yep. if it touched water, it would freeze all water, yep. and that would destroy the world. Right. Um, but yeah. but again, uh, alluding to the idea that even non-organic things can communicate and learn and not be able to go back to the way they were before. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, thank goodness there just happened to be the ways to escape <laughs> this thing, you know, yep. um, just there. So you explode the ice off of the door and you fry up some pork to get this hexadecimal equation that you work out and you get the key out. And one of the weird things about this too, like just real quick before going into the ice nine mm-hmm. thing is that this game, most of the little trivia things that they talk about are true. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one of the few times that it's, it's a real serious exaggeration. Yes. Like, Ice Nine is a fictional thing, and then June says, "Like that's true. It could happen." Yeah, it's like, well, no, that's not true. She, like she talks about how, oh, they thought it was, you know, it, it was a science fiction writer. Which, good job, not citing your shit, guys. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, but but then they discovered and they created it in a lab in 1999 or something like that. And and there are different kinds of ice, but nothing that would do, you know. Yeah, what but, what Ice Nine does? Yeah, exactly. Like so it. It's not strictly true. Mm-hmm. Also, Kurt Vonnegut would hate just being referred to as, as a science fiction writer. Like, oh God, yeah. There's that quote where it's like the science fiction section of the library is mistaken for a urinal. Yep. You know, by most people, like mm-hmm. it is. Uh, he would have hated that. Yeah. yeah. And you, every other piece of fucking trivia you talk about, give the man some credit. Yeah. I know, um, right. Yeah. Oh man. Just uh, when I when I knew that we were going to be playing this game, I reread Cat's Cradle. Mm. I just yeah. like just do it. It feels so yeah, good. Yeah, Cat's Cradle is really good. It feels so good because it feels so bad. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> It, 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 that is a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So anyway, you get out. Lotus doesn't care whether you live or die. Um, <laughs> and uh, you have to like, you find a note inside some pork. Yeah, you have to sla- slap it on the grill. And I'm like, come on, you guys haven't eaten in hours. Just Yeah, this is, it's so weird. And then like your knife is not sharp enough to cut cooked pork. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, it I is. could rip it apart in my hands. Like it's called like this, pulled pork for a reason. This is this is a dumb puzzle. Yeah. Like the puzzles in this room are dumb. Yep. Um, they're not as bad as the the other room. But... I, I like adding hexadecimal and understanding that one zero in hex is not the same as ten. Like that yeah. that, that is a cool twist, but yeah, and mm. ends up being you know significant in that just numbers are not always numbers. Right. Again, things are not always what you first perceive. Yep. yep. Um. So you know, the search for snake. All of this is the same mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, and we can get to a bad ending here. This is the one that I got. Okay. The, the sub ending was my first bad. Ending. Oh, wow. That's weird. Me too. Because yeah. the game doesn't want you to go through door three because you have yeah. to leave half of your group behind. I don't, can't remember why I did it. The first time I played this like a couple years ago, the bad ending was the knife ending was oh. the one I got. Um, but this, this time it was the sub ending. Hmm. Yeah. This so. is the one I got the first, uh, the, the, the very first time through. And it's just kind of like, well, the game doesn't seem to want me to take this and mm-hmm. you, you must always follow the resistance. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh but that is not the case here. Uh this turns into the syringe ending in the uh in the iOS version, but they are effectively the same. Okay. Um so I will uh kind of uh, enumerate the way that works out. And I'm not going to go through like every detail of these rooms, but you can say like, "Oh, I'm going to go through door 3 and I don't care what anybody else says." Yeah. Um and you discover snakes and body earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, quote unquote snakes. Um, and, uh, you solve some water puzzles in this shower room before getting out the other side and being left with the only option because of the keys that you found. Nobody else could go through any other door, uh, to go through door number two, which is a door that you otherwise would not be able to go through, right? Like going through doors three and two always lead you to this very same ending. Yeah. There's the confinement rooms, which take you to, it's like the brig of the ship. It's like a, like a prison kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and this unlocks a memory for uh, for seven. Yeah, uh, so this is the important part here. Like yes. you'll get all this information on the critical path as well. Yeah, but this is the tantalizing bit. You're going to get to tell you like there's more to the story. It's like half revealed. Yeah. So seven gets his memory back um, as you're doing some puzzles that I are not that noteworthy to me, and ultimately require a lot of moving around. It's a lot of moving around and flushing toilets. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 very you know. It's pretty frustrating. And, and and because you have to keep trying, you have to meet certain conditions before you flush the toilet. You have to deal with whatever the little, like, flushing a toilet blurb is mm-hmm. every time you haven't met those conditions. Yeah. Um, anywho, so Seven gets his memory back, and uh, he was trapped in a room like this back when he was a cop, <laughs> yeah. um, which I wasn't expecting. And you get flashback Seven, which looks really fucking cool. <laughs> it's like a Miami Vice-like. Yeah. We're in a cool, like, suit. He doesn't have his beanie cap on, so he's, yeah. It's like Business Seven. <laughs> And he was trying to shake down a kidnapping ring run by Cradle Pharmaceuticals. Like, this is fucking gobsmacking when it first comes up. <laughs> yep. Because if this is the first ending you go towards, it's like, what kind of game am I playing here? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about a kidnapping ring? Like, yep. it's, like, like, it's like how all movies in the 80s have a diamond heist subplot. <laughs> there's, always you know? an e- there's always an evil real estate developer. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like that. It's like Everything oh, ends oh. with a regatta. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, yeah. How, that's how I felt. Yep. No, it's uh, it's really weird. And like, again, it's it, it's crazy because there are so many of these individual crazy things that fit in the context because it does because there is a preponderance of text weighing it down and pushing it through the hole it otherwise wouldn't fit into. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, um, you get three three names here. Uh, Aoi, 
or OEI. Aoi. Uh, Aoi. Uh, oh. Light Nonary. Nona. <laughs> yep. Nona. Nary. No, no, um, no, 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 uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, you will not learn the significance of these until much later, well, at least for yeah. two of them. Uh, for the other one, for Nona, you figure it out pretty quick, because the next room is the torture room, which I don't know why the Titanic had that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and there's some very simple puzzles you have to solve here with mapping 2D images on 3D space. Uh, but Lotus, who is with you, is the only person who will fit on the electric chair that is in this mm -hmm. room, which that's an execution room, not a torture room, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, there's some uh, names for things that are that don't make any sense. Yeah, we'll get uh, to that but, later to that room full of debris. <laughs> but she, uh, but she says, "Hey, if I die, tell my kids I love them." And she says, "Nona." And Snake remembers, like, "Oh yeah, that's totally somebody." He guesses her last name. Lotus herself is actually she was a um, computer programmer and um, uh, network security person for Cradle. Mm. Oh, yeah. And her kids were kind of taken to this one hospital where they were um, kind of, uh, you know, these tests were administered and kind of taken from her. And that's why they were exposed to this kidnapping ring. Yeah. And this is the first time we're like, oh, she's a mother. Yeah. You know, uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but fine. Um, on the other side of the door, uh, everybody gets kind of split up. And as you're searching for a little bit, um, you just start discovering dead bodies. Like you just find everyone dead, which yeah. is legitimately pretty shocking. These little oh, scenes yeah. where you just find a pile of corpses. Like, and these um, bad endings are super bleak and yeah. it really is the only time where you're, where, I mean, beyond the ninth man blowing up where it says like, okay, this is like super serious and basically saw as a video game. Yeah. Yep. Um, so eventually you're just like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, you find a submarine and uh, you find June who's been stabbed. Mm -hmm. and uh and you you go crazy go plot crazy yep. at this point because that must be your hidden thing too the, no. everybody's got that 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 japanese name thing except they all just revert to being crazy when they're under stress <laughs> yeah the, the, the enneagram yeah yeah the, everyone has that except it's all the same well because the, everybody's under stress goes nuts the description for junpei whenever he gets to one of these bad endings is that it feels like he is no longer himself and like he is a puppet who's had his strings cut like mm -hmm. the, the 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 description is very is is very apt for the way that this plot works and mm. for what the mechanism of his control is. Yeah. And, so. and puppets and strings, obviously, yeah. play it to uh, monitors and mm. ices. Monkeys, yes. <laughs> yep, monitors and monkeys. But you get stabbed in the back. Yep. And you fall into the water. Yep, and you drown and you turn around and you see the face of your killer, but the game does not reveal it because that would give everything away if you hadn't already mm -hmm. seen uh, what Ace is capable of. Yes, yeah, because you saw Ace being dead, but he faked it because it's a soap opera. <laughs> uh, and then I didn't, I didn't play the iOS version, so mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So here, this is uh, kind of uh, working Clover back into one of the uh, one of the endings. This happens here, but not in the other sub endings. Um, because uh, there's there's something that happens I forget exactly what where she begins to blame Junpei for uh, for um, Snake's death and she mm -hmm. has grabbed some of the soparil from Ace's body after he goes to sleep and injects you with it and as you are drifting off to sleep she pushes you into the water and uh, blames you for Snake's death for the death of her brother and you drown and it feels like that was added to the iOS version as just like a red herring. You know, for you to think that's who the ultimate killer is. Yeah. Um, but we didn't go down those doors. We went to door seven instead. Well, we went through all of the doors at once, Gary. Oh, I guess that, yeah, that's true. There's always, <laughs> there's always a door. There's always a lighthouse. Um, and this is the operating room mm -hmm. um, with seven, Clover, and Junpai.
through door number seven. Uh, so this is the operating room. There's some super gross uh, gags with seven being a pervert, and maybe these maybe these dolls are pleasure units. Yep. He thinks you're going to fuck the doll because there's no sense of stakes again. Um, there's, you know, no one will put aside their, their basis desires for a second to escape this life or death situation um, in 999. Um, but essentially, you're just going around. Again, it's a collection puzzle. Yeah. Um, for the most part, you're collecting these mannequin parts. You do a uh, fairly complicated chemistry kind of puzzle. This is super cool. Assigning numbers yeah. to the different molecules. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is neat. Um, in order to get one of the pieces. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a cool puzzle. Way cooler than the actual, like, the end puzzle for this this game. I felt like that should have been the end puzzle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's a frustrating puzzle where you're trying to create purple water out of red and blue, but the sequence that you have to do things, like the input sequence is super, like, it's more obfuscated than it needs to be. Like, yeah. what you have to touch in what order. So that is very, very upsetting to me. Um, you learn another collective unconsciousness parable mm-hmm. between this, the EDT stuff. Yeah. It's kind of detergent. Detergent crystals making a hydrate by uh, by binding with a water molecule. Yeah. And then from that point on, on all of them can do it. Yep. Because they have a collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. And you start learning about um, All Ice or Alice mm-hmm. uh, at this point. Because you learned about Ice 9 before, again, if you just said no at that point, yeah. you'd be fucked out of the good ending. Yep. You, you would just get one of the bad endings we will describe later. Because nobody could say, like, if they're were, they were just like, you know about Ice Nine, right? And if you say yes, you get the good ending. If you say no, <laughs> no one could just be like, well, here, it's this. Here's it in a sentence. Let me go on and make the point I was going to make anyway. Well, the way it articulates is, well, actually, that's pretty interesting. Or, no, that's dumb. Stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the game punishes you for not being interested in the same trivia the creator is interested in. If you don't find the same things interesting, he doesn't want you to win his game. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but yeah, you, you learned about this 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 mummy again that you heard about uh, way back in the second class cabin. This that this Alice who was acquired by Lord Gordain uh, in the brig of this uh, or in the, the the lower quarters of this uh, replica of the Titanic that he got. Yep. yep. Um, so once you've gotten all the mannequin parts, you have to make these two mannequins weigh the same mm-hmm. uh, by switching parts between the male and female mannequins. All of the parts um, except for the heart. Yeah, the heart the heart stays the same, which I'm sure means something. Oh, it does uh, because yeah. because immediately they talk about two classic uh, paradoxes: uh, uh, locked socks and the ship of Theseus, oh, which sure. is if yeah. something is broken beyond repair and you replace all of the parts uh, to keep it running, is it still the same thing that you you know that that, that you began with, right? Yeah, and so the, the ship of Theseus is really neat and is somehow weirdly in the zeitgeist right now for me because like I keep. Uh, uh, Danielle on, on Twitter from Idle Thumbs was reading it and reading a book entitled that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a How Stuff Works um, about it with yep. our, our own body, like how all of our cells yep. you'll ultimately get replaced throughout our life. So how can mm-hmm. we say we're the same people? Like, yeah. that for some reason, that's in the news. Michael Everyone's Crichton's doing the, timeline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> doing the funky ship of Theseus. <laughs> it's, 20, it's, it's 2015. It's a super provocative idea, right? Oh, yeah. No, it is, it is neat. Just heaven help you if you're not as interested in it as, <laughs> as the dude. Even though I am interested. Like, I like the ship of Theseus. Uh-huh. This was one of those things where it's like, I, I know. And I, I think that I can't, like, I, it's not fair for me to say that, but that was true of Ice Nine, too, where it's uh-huh. like, no, I know. Uh-huh. You know, and that's why I wanted to be able to skip through it quicker because, like, mm-hmm. I get why it's thematically resonant and I get why the, my character needs to know. I just know it's already, like, and I don't need to learn it by proxy. Don't make such a point about, like, explicating on it. Show me how it's relevant, and I will learn yeah. from that, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, like the, 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 there's a serious case of, like, cart and horse happening. Here. Yeah. 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 
Um, the important thing that happens here is you give Clover the bookmark because she's sad. Yeah, and you tell sad. her what they they represent the four leaves. And this uh, is important because not everybody should have that information of what those leaves represent. Yes, yeah, they, they're they're killing words. <laughs> um, so, and she starts talking a little bit about what happened nine years ago um, because she knows as well mm -hmm. the pr previous uh, execution of the game, and this this is stretched out over hours. <laughs> like she tells you a little bit, and then a little bit, and a little yeah. bit. She's not supposed to, though. Like her yeah. her brother told her not to. Yeah, but she does. Yep. Um. So there's a story bit here where you, where you you know are using the planet keys to find those last three doors, and you can go through one, two, or six. There's a quick way to get a bad ending, the knife ending, uh, where <laughs> if you go through door six without having been through door four, uh, which has the uh, the kitchen behind it, Ace ends up with the knife, and he uses that as his uh, his murder weapon. Uh, so you go through the engine and cargo room puzzles, but Ace um, starts kind of separating the group and killing them one by one in order to get their bra bracelets so he himself can escape. Mm -hmm. um and uh there's a very disturbing scene where uh jimpei comes across um lotus kind of like slumped over and dead in a hallway and as he can't look away he gets stabbed but again as he twists to see who is there he you know delivers the killing blow to himself and dies before he can figure out who killed him yeah which is the first ending i got in the game and if yeah. you don't know if you're not used to this kind of thing like this can read as a fuck you i don't really blame it for that you know, too much like having to play through it multiple times because it has this kind of Rashomon thing. Mm -hmm. And there's an in-game explanation for why your character keeps the information that the player has between playthroughs. Yeah. Which I think is neat. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I also like the first time I had it, I was like, oh, well, that was a lot of work for just getting stabbed in the back. And that's it. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. like I was frustrated yeah. even then. Um, so I didn't get it this time, but I can see that being a turnoff for people. I won't put it in the fail column, yep. you know, personally, because like. It, it works because there's an in-game explanation for it. But I could see somebody bouncing off this just being like, yeah, I put in a lot of work and just got, I never knew what was going on and just got stabbed. Yeah. And that was my playthrough that was, you know, lengthy and mm -hmm. significant. So, yep. but we're not going to do that again. No, we're well. going to go through door one. Yes, the chart room. Um, which you're with plot significant characters at this point. It's Junpei, yeah. Clover, and Ascent's their show for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's going to end up being really important. Yeah. So in the chart room, you find a pocket watch, which Ace takes an interest with, an interest in out of nowhere, really. Maybe he is a uh, a clock enthusiast. Who knows mm -hmm. at this point? The clock king. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you talk with Clover because she is just, again, trying to work out exactly who could have killed Snake. And you drum up a list of possible suspects. The speed with which people can calculate digital roots in this game is very funny to me. Well, what's funny is eventually you get to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, it's, it is. and it's funny because Clover is the one who always grabs the notebook to uh, to kind of like lay it out and you know demonstrate it to you in text. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And th this is a real comical bit too because I'm just want I just want to have plot. You know, at this point I'm interested in what's going on. Uh -huh. You know, and Clover's dropping real truth bombs, but Ace just keeps interrupting. Yeah, in this way that you can't just be like, "Give me a minute." <laughs> you know, like it, and it's also like this is this is a minor thing, a minor problem I have with the game. It's not a huge problem, mm -hmm. but like when I'm solving a puzzle, um, a lot of times, you know, I don't. I'm playing this in bed. I'm playing this on the bus. I'm not taking notes at the same time. Yep. Um, I'm keeping something in mind, right? Yeah. Like I'm keeping a code or something like that. And the unpredictable pace at which long story sections interrupt the puzzling yep. can get pretty frustrating. Yeah, I suppose, because you're dropped back in. Like, there's a point later where there's an epic story section, and you're expected to remember a particular number. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you just, you get back to the other end, and it's like, if you're not, and it's like, that's not, 
I mean, it's kind of my fault for how I'm playing it. And but I would also point to the platforms it's on. Yeah, it's a portable game. You're going to be playing this yeah. on the shitter, right? Yeah, it's not meant to be played at a desk with a piece of paper and, and a pad and a pencil. Yeah. And, and a pen. And uh, a marker. Board, crayon. And a board, and a, <laughs> I, I got stuck. For the play. Anything yeah, you can write with. Skywriting. A worthy, uh, a worthy, uh, a worthy, uh, um, so, but... So that got frustrating here where like I kept getting plot stuff and then having to, it was like the opposite. Like I, it's like you had to go solve some puzzles before you can get more plot stuff. Yeah. You can like a book with the pages stuck together. Huh? So, yeah. Um, Ace busts you for the switcher on the boat. Like he reaches into your pockets again. Let's put a red light yeah. on this flag, flag, flag. <laughs> um, and it's like, Oh, it's no problem. I just wanted to be sure. Yeah. Um, there's a kind of cool puzzle. I, where, I like this puzzle. Yeah, this like, is this great. Is, this is pretty neat. Yeah, um, where, where you're finding charts and a map of the world and figuring out directions that you need to send a ship, but also the speeds that you need to send them at in order to uh, to determine a uh, um, an arrival time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's uh, it's got a nice physicality to it. Like it uses the touchscreen, you know, because you're spinning the wheel mm-hmm. and it doesn't stop right when you click. Like you have to spin it in different directions and kind of stop it like the uh, the wheel at the end of Price of Right. So this game was a pull game. Like we, you know, there were three other options that we could have done. I, you know, I, I love this game. Like 999 holds a place in my heart. Like if you like the games that use the DS in unexpected ways, um, we really should have done Hotel Dusk because okay. Sing, the developer behind that, that was their entire gimmick. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I, I haven't played. That's the only one out of the four that I had never played before. Do you want me to send it to you? Um, yeah, maybe. Okay. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. It's probably dirt cheap, though. I feel like I see that. Yeah, it's like it's frequently like, it's like 15 bucks. Yeah. So maybe I'll I'll just pick it up because I I am I am interested. I like that stuff. Um, and I like the other you know the other games we did for this. Like at this point, I was before I played it, I thought I liked 999. And then I also <laughs> like um, I mean when I played it before, I was like oh like I had fonder memories of it than than I had going back to it. But I like Ghost Trick and I like uh, Phoenix Wright. Yeah. Um, at least the first one. I haven't followed the series, but I had fun with the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but anywho. Um, you get this arrival time that opens up next door to the captain's quarters. Yeah. And or, we find a new character here, which is kind of strange, right? Yeah, it's super strange. And again, you're finding blue dead bodies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's dressed like Captain Crunch, <laughs> which is like super weird. Oh, no. It was the Soggies what did it. It was the so- <laughs> it was the Soggies what did it. He had to pay for his sins at the factory when he oops all buried it. <laughs> yeah, oops all murder. <laughs> Uh, Captain like, Crunch, you have cut you have cut one too many roofs of mouths. Oops, all non-naries. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, he is axe dead on the floor of his on the floor and, of his uh, cabin. Yeah, and he has a zero bracelet. But you're like, that's too obvious. We're yeah, being mocked. Like, like yeah, so, so someone fucking with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, this in this ending, this is where Clover learns about the left arm. Yeah, um, for Snake not actually being dead. Mm-hmm. Um. And the uh, well, he, she reveals that only people, you know, you told her these bookmark words and she's like, only mm-hmm. people from the first game would know this. It's significant that Santa gave you this. What's funny is there are only like 10 assets in this entire game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they devote the majority of the new assets for different people hugging Junpei. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. So you get to see Clover hugging him, which I'm sure is somebody's background on their computer. Um, but that yeah. asset thing, real quick, just because mm-hmm. it's been a little while since I said something mean about the game. Um, <laughs> I got, I've got very sick of watching people put their hands on the thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Mostly because, again, it's just too zoomed in for fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, we just, you could just say it went through the door. We all know how this fucking works. Yeah. But they keep, how many times I've seen everyone's Boop. hands go up against Boop. that red. 
Ba-doop. Um, Ba-doop. good fucking night. Like, yeah. anyway. <laughs> but you have to understand that, you know, like, there are a couple of them that the bracelet isn't touching their skin, Gary. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a detail. I about, there's, there's a detail to this because originally one of the overarching themes of this game was supposed to be hands. Yes. Initially. So that's why that was the case. They were, um, they were originally they supposed that. to be boys and girls uh, latched together by their bracelets. Yeah. And they yeah. cut that out. So hands ended up being not like a theme. And that Q&A, like, we, 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 we both read the Q&A. They talked about it being political, why they couldn't make the hands part of that. Yeah, I didn't really get that. I didn't get that either. That, that I have to admit to cultural ignorance on that. Yeah. Mm. But in the captain's quarters, dead body or not, you have to uh, you have to uh, soldier on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Clover tells you more. Um, there's more exposition here where she talks about this uh, this morphogenic field, morphogenetic field mm-hmm. um, that is unlocked by two things, epiphany and danger. Yeah. So, um, so the idea of giving puzzles for, for people to solve, thus introducing the idea of epiphany or an enlightened state of mind. Um, and also uh, these, the, the, this danger, which heightens everything around it. Um, and she alludes to the idea that there was one girl who died in the first game, but this is one of those times when Ace interrupts at a crucial, a crucial juncture. Yeah, he he loves doing that. Um, and you can't just go back to talking. You go and do some more puzzles before you learn more. Right. Um, you do this puzzle with a music box um, to create Morse code. And uh, this gives you more information on Alice, like a little riddle about where she's at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just in a chamber beyond the forest of knowledge. And Ace talks about different ways of freezing things so you don't kill cells. Yes. So, again, if it's not <laughs> for the slow people in the audience, we learn more about that. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, there's a there, again teaching you about different bases. There is a, uh, a a puzzle with security monitors, and you have to figure out the numer uh, the numerical value of the letters that spell out zero in base twenty seven. Mm-hmm. And this is the room that has the camera set up. Yes, at the door, and that's where you have to do that. And that camera ends up being significant. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Clover took the, this note from the captain. That truth is gone. Note. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. stuffed in her pockets, along with some other stuff, which yeah. we will later find out to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we will find out. So there's a bad ending you can get here. Um, if you hadn't given her the bookmark, but you still ended up in this room with the axe, um, Clover eventually loses her shit. Um, and picks up the axe and when everybody separates to try and figure out where you need to go um, after you find the nine door um, she starts taking people out one by one with the axe itself um, mm. Ace, the like again foreshadowing what happens to the knife ending um, Ace says, hey I've got to go show you something Lotus, and he goes off and kills her saying, oh Junpei, I will show you something else too, after I'm done with that but this is super upsetting and super creepy, have you gotten this ending naturally, Gary? Uh, no, because I would have had to play through 75% of the good ending and then start over. Yes. So, so um, yeah. like, look this up on YouTube because it's actually very upsetting because Clover's crazy expression, mm-hmm. uh, cra- crazy is the wrong word for this, but her, you know, her, her the, the expression she makes after she breaks and starts killing people is, is, is pretty unsettling. Um, yeah. And so, you know, she goes around like her digital route takes you down through door two. She says, hey, we haven't gone through that. Maybe snakes there. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's the one place we want to go. 
Um, and then Jupe is waiting around. She comes back and she drops three of the bracelets for June and whoever else she went by. And this causes mm-hmm. Junpei again to kind of lose his connection to who he is. And he looks up at her with her wide open, crazy ace eyes. And she says, hey, give me your hand. And you reach up saying, okay, she is an angel and a demon simultaneously, wreathed in light. And then she delivers a killing blow with the axe and takes your um, your bracelet in order to go and escape herself. Yep, become the bracelet lord. Yep. <laughs> Bracelets for the bracelet throne. <laughs> Nines for the nine. Nine god. <laughs> yep. Um, for the nine god. Yes. So that is the axe ending. And uh, it's pretty upsetting. Yeah. You know, I did not get that. Um, I stayed on the path to the true ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get back, to, you get to the chapel again um, with the two nine doors. And at this point, uh, Santa goes nuts. Yeah. And so takes June hostage. In this ending, Santa had gone through the engine room and the cargo room and gotten the gun. And uh, together, Santa and June end up going through the big nine door. Yeah. What's the third bracelet they have with them? Or do they take somebody uh, they else with the, them? I believe they have the nine door. Or the, yeah, the, 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 nine, yeah, the bracelet. nine bracelet. Yeah, yeah, we took the nine one, which you can always have. Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, so we are trapped until Junpei remembers the bracelet code. Now, if you hadn't done the safe ending and you just got this, um, it would be a game over. It'd be the coffin ending as you hear somebody inside the coffin, you know, busting at the, busting at the lid. Um, but you just, you can't go any further. However, this brings in a crucial plot point, which is all of the timelines that you've gone through up to this point, you remember, and you can get these, you can get this information from somewhere like, Junpei just does it by muscle memory, essentially. Does the code on the brace at the left, right, left, right, left, right in order to get the numbers and release Snake. Yeah, I when I got this, I tried doing it wrong to oh, yeah? see what happens, and you chide yourself. You're like, that's not what I remember. Oh. And he talks to the like talks to the player. It's really weird and kind of cool. Yeah. Um and this bit that like, you know, the things the player remembers, the character remembers as well, is like, you know, one of the stronger like conceits of the game. Yeah. Um, pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that is, you know, it ends up being super important and is kind of the twist of the game, like, or at least plays yeah. into it or is one of the dueling twists for it. And if you like this, who boy, Virtue's Last Reward. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is it is it different? Is it like along the same lines of, is it like, is it, are you saying it's just an equally momentous twist or they, is it another twist that's on the same theme they it's it is another twist that's along the same theme but it takes this idea and extrapolates it to um extrapolates it to an extreme that would be just absurd to consider okay yeah okay um yeah i'm not saying that okay dismissingly i'm no no i, I, I don't like, want yeah, more information no no because at the same because time it's super i'm also cool. not going to commit to playing it either so i'm like okay mm-hmm. well i'll keep that in mind in case i decide to yep um but anyway, so you you open up the the dealy, mm-hmm. and uh, and Ace gets out, and he's super. Or Snake, uh, Snake gets out. <laughs> it's a real twist. No, no, um, I was in there all along. <laughs> Everything you know is wrong. It's Ace. <laughs> me. Um, who's face? Who face that? It's a me. It's Ace. <laughs> it's a me, Ace. It's a me, uh, Gungkwai or Gungkun or whatever the guy's name ends up being. Mm-hmm. His actual name in Japanese. But anyway, so there's a there's a reunion there, and you think that uh, Santa is likely zero. Yeah. Um, he and June went through this thing. Um. And you kind of figure out some of this this base 10 stuff yeah. or different base stuff. Here. Yeah. So you do a little bit of uh, figuring out and some ciphering and figure out that um, actually uh, June's bracelet was nine and Santa's was zero. Yes. Yep. And zero. And it was is it that was actually O 
or is it this way? It was just mm, why was that one? Zero? No, that comes that that comes later. The uh, the captain's bracelet was was O. Okay, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Of. Yeah. Okay. But um, in this ending, and one of the commonalities, and this is something Clover works out, um, is that if you 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 get to this by always keeping June and Santic together, because together their their digital root you know, three plus six is nine doesn't affect what it is. So whoever, whoever they go through with, um, it's their digital route. Um, she had through the library. Um, at this point also, like I kind of just wanted this to be towards the end. There's like enough drama and urgency here. Yeah. That puzzle started feeling annoying to me. Yes. I um, like the fact they have to go through two more rooms is a little bit of a bummer actually. And this, and this is not a good puzzle. No, this, this is the highest, like, chaff to wheat ratio you have. Like, it's good chaff. Like, you're reading about, like, esoteric things that, you know, Snake is giving you information about. Like, I'm fine. Like, I will learn about stuff. But, like, there's somebody's about, there's somebody about to die. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like, and what time is it at this point? Like, five? Something like like that. You have, like, an hour left. You should really, yeah, you should really not be doing this. Um, Which always, you know, always always the case here. But essentially, you're looking for books and light bulbs. Yeah. Um, and you find light bulbs behind books, and you find books that are children's books. So it's just searching a really big, samey-looking library. Yeah, and just trying to keep track of which which subjects you've, you've seen before, um, and God help you if you miss one or the other. There's some fantastic dialogue about Riemann factors. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, such as length, girth, lubrication. In fact, that it's Snake describing this to his little sister, Clover, and he's talking about an actual <laughs> mathematical and physical principle, you know, the Riemann distribution. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Like this is this is one of those times where the perverted jokes actually like really landed for me. <laughs> oh man! But you're finding these uh, these these light bulbs and these pop up books in order to uh, create a shadow box that reads Shell Drake Five, um, and you learn about the the experiment nine years ago uh, and the fact that Snake couldn't have said anything about it because uh, Zero said that he would detonate Clover's bomb. Yep. And uh, we learned the names of the Kuretal executive, uh, Hangu, who's the CEO, who we already know from a past playthrough, is actually Ace. Yep. Um, Nijisaki, the assistant, Kabuta, who is R&D, and Musashi Idu, the stockholder. Yeah. Who, yeah. Yep. We learn these names. We don't see them until later. Uh, yeah. But uh, Snake talks about kind of how they were trying to harness the mind control potential of this morphogenetic field. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And how they use the Gansfield experiment. Again, a real experiment, which is pretty cool. Um, to screen for psychics or espers, as they are called in the sequel, um, and kind of separate the transmitters uh, from the receivers. Um, and this idea that the experiment was kind of conducted in these two different facilities. Yes, for some reason, one's in Arizona. I don't know why. Nevada. Um, or Nevada, yeah. The, uh, the Gansfield experience, experiment is what they're doing in the beginning of Ghostbusters. Yep. I think. So if you're if you're familiar with those cards, those like psychic reading cards. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I'm losing steam. Let's move. <laughs> let's move. Let's move. You have to. You have to. You have to do some Roman numerals to spell out "dead." Moving on. Moving on. The next room is the study, which is kind of a Saw's workshop. Oh, yeah, this is the room that doesn't look like a study. This no. is the room that's just full of garbage and it's called a study. It's like, why is this? <laughs> um, but this is your. This is your boss rush. Yeah. So like it's. It, yeah, like this. This is a big room full of puzzles, each of which is a small piece of a puzzle you have solved previously. If you have gotten to the true ending, so you're doing lights yes. out to uh, spell all with numbers, uh, like the magic square puzzle a little bit. You're doing the map, uh, the, the map navigation puzzle uh, reprise to get one of these crests, and you're also using Morse code to spell out ice. 
um, and God help you if you didn't find the um, the codex for how to spell ice in uh, Morse code. Yeah, yeah, then you are doomed. Um, this opens up Alice's coffin, or all ice's coffin, um, which has a key and a crest, yep. and not a mummy. Nope, so this person is probably walking around, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. But she used all four of these crests to unlock these uh, these digital root puzzles, uh, where, interestingly, at the end, um, the solution is to put everybody in the eight room and not the nine room. So nobody needs to be in nine in order for that to actually proceed. Yes. Okay, and now is like the the Return of the King level fake ending or false yeah. endings. Like <laughs> this is this is this is north of an hour from here point in playtime mm-hmm. with one one interactive bit in the in the middle that I don't care for that much. Yeah, um, and is really really weirdly basic. <laughs> um, so here here's a lot of story exposition that pops in. Yeah. Um, so, so seeing the picture, so, so solving that that crest puzzle gets you a picture of the cradle pharmaceutical uh, uh, people who were involved in the first Nonary game, which jogs Seven's memory and brings back uh, what happened nine years ago. Yes. So what happened was it was another puzzle, this time with the kids, the kids that were kidnapped. Um, but while Seven was helping the kids escape, um, Akane fell behind. Mm-hmm. And was thrown into an incinerator by Ace, who, yep. as the game goes on, is more and more of a two-dimensional villain. Mm-hmm. Um, just incinerating kids. Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> just raising the stakes like like nothing with no uh, mind. Um, and at this point, it becomes pretty clear that uh, you know because Santa um, is Akane's brother, uh, he must be zero because he is there getting revenge on Cradle for what they did to his sister. Yep. Um, it finally becomes 6 a.m. Um, finally. <laughs> um, and the ship is sinking, so now the characters almost act with urgency. Um, you head towards this incinerator, and Ace has a revolver to Lotus's head. And uh, he tries to escape with Lotus and the Nine Bracelet, which he has, but it doesn't work, mm-hmm. even though it seems like it should. Right. So there's a big rundown. This is a parlor scene, which normally you do those when there's a little bit of time and you're trying to tighten the noose on somebody. But as the ship yeah. is sinking quote-unquote yeah <laughs> um junpei is there and you know it comes out that every person who was killed so far ace was tricked into killing because of his prosopagnosia yeah yeah he got kind of uh yep. fucked over yeah so uh, he so he knew kubota um because of that and he said like hey let's go into you know he, he sent he lied to him about that room and sent him in just to make sure and kubota not... is uh, is the nine room yes nine he, man. yes he, he is the ninth man sorry um, yep. He sent them. He sent him into there to see if this nonary game was just a prank, like <laughs> super cool guys, <laughs> just a goof. Yeah, you know, just just, just an expensive and... knockout gas goof, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, just to, just to see if they were serious. Um, and the person who was killed in uh, in, in Snake's place um, uh, after a clothes swap was actually the Snijisaki guy, who was the uh, the. Um, um, the assistant. The assistant, yes. And the captain that you found was the key stakeholder, this uh, uh, Musashida. Yeah, the banker. Yep. Um, during this time, Santa reveals that he is not Zero, but Zero's assistant, um, which is another hint. Mm-hmm. And uh, Akane, um, you know, should have been, so in the original game that was set up, she should have been in the Nevada building mm-hmm. um, as a transmitter. That was the safe, you know, the building that was not sinking. Yep. But they were still simulated danger. But in fact, she was put on the gigantic as a result of a clerical error or something like that. Yeah. Um, they done goofed. And this is where what I think is one of the coolest things about this game gets revealed. Because all of a sudden, the exposition that's taking place on the lower screen gets a voice. Yeah. So that that, that is the cool twist. Is that the 
the stuff that's been happening on the bottom of the screen is not you necessarily. It's Akane's like vision controlling you or guiding you. Yeah. So uh, everything that's like describing what people are thinking or feeling or doing is actually Akane looking through your eyes on the bottom screen saying, here's what happens. Yes. And in fact, the fact that you are um, solving the puzzles on the bottom screen means that Akane is transmitting the answers to you from the past because she has gone through them. Yes. So it, it kind of makes sense that, you know, Junpei at no point seems like a master puzzle smith. And mm-hmm. it's because he's not. Right. You know, he's just a, a kid um, who she happens to kind of use as a vessel for this, mm-hmm. which is a cool twist. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like this game. I do like that twist. Yeah. I think it's neat. Um, pretty mm-hmm. cool. And she and explains. It, it fucks with the hardware, too, which like, I love that kind of shit. That's so good. Like, yeah. Like, if you're going to integrate, if you do twist to integrate the hardware, like, I, mm-hmm. I always dig that. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is some Kojima level shit. Yeah. And there's not enough stuff like that with the DS, which, like, has such a unique hardware like it does happen from time to time but like you have that bar between screens mm-hmm. like not a lot of games do stuff with that it does happen sometimes but like you don't see a lot of it yeah. um there isn't a lot done with it yeah. but this is one one time it is yeah but of course they can't just leave enough alone and they have to over explain the fact that time is like a river and it splits at one point and akane is different because she can see both upstream and downstream and she is yes. I, which happens to be the ninth letter which just seems extravagant at this point yeah that's like we get it we get it. Um, East gets out of there, mm-hmm. and we can't we can't follow him. We can't get out as well. We're trapped in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that Snake was a guy named Light. Yep. Um, who was in the experiment a long time ago, which mm-hmm. we've been seeing in flashbacks. And he gave out all these clovers to keep people's spirits up. He had gathered them as a gift for his sister, Clover, uh, which is yep. not, not a code name, her actual name, um, and uh, which is remarkable because he is, in fact, blind. And as a sighted person, I've never found a four-leaf clover, so good for him. Yeah, yeah, it, it is that kind of a weird, uh, you know, anime-style exaggeration <laughs> kind of thing. Like, he did the thing, but way, way harder, so that engenders your respect. Um, the uh, And Akane actually left the group uh, because she dropped Junpei's present. Something he gave to her, which, again, anime as fuck. Like, oh yes, no. that, is, that is a real anime as fuck reason to get incinerated. <laughs> um, yeah. So what's cool is now all of a sudden, because the top screen and bottom screen are divorced, we're seeing simultaneous action happen at the same time, kind of uh, underlining why there is a nine hour time limit in the present, mm-hmm. because at the very same time and at the very same um, under the very same circumstances, Junpei has to transmit this answer back to her. Yes. So, yeah, that's the idea is that he is that whatever this final thing is that he's transferring to her. Um, as she's helping him with the puzzle, is it is a two-way street. Yeah. And because um, as she exists in the current time that we're playing, the reason she's been having these fevers and stuff is when you're on the wrong path. Right. So if you're doing something that's going to result in her death, she kind of ceases to exist in like a Back to the Future style way. Mm-hmm. And she's having fevers because she's being burned alive. Yeah in the past and also just linking this to another character seven's headaches come in because of the time paradox between june existing and not existing yes yeah because as somebody else who's been there um snake never has any paradoxes or anything no because he couldn't see or know exactly was really yeah Yeah, so he is shielded from that because he didn't because he was blind yeah and clover was not on the ship like everybody yep. else was, so she doesn't have these paradoxes as well. Like yep, it's pretty on... pat. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it ends up. It ends up making a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so... uh, but yeah, like the epiphany that Jinpei has is she recreated the history of the future she saw nine years ago. 
which yes. is a wonderful sentence. Yeah, that that is a, that is a, a charitable sentence. <laughs> um, you get to the actual final boss of this game, which is a Sudoku puzzle. <laughs> Which um, Jupe could solve because of the explosion of Sudoku in the mid two thousands. It's that's so weird. Like so, the 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 nineness yep. of Sudoku made me think like, why haven't they done this already in the uh-huh, game? Me too. But I would be lying if I said this wasn't a mammoth anticlimax for like the gameplay. Yeah. It's a pretty fucking easy game. Sudoku too. <laughs> it's also Sudoku. Like no matter how easy it is, like this yep. is the thing that old people do on planes and yeah to keep their minds alive yeah yeah like 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 no sudoku was unsolvable (laughs) no sudoku like i've always disliked sudoku Mm -hmm. because i've always felt like it doesn't test my intelligence it tests my patience yep you know and this was no like again you have the sense of urgency but there's no time limit not that time limit make it better that'd be excruciating but like it is just a sudoku puzzle (laughs) like it is just like get these numbers in the right order and then you win the game like but but again like there should be a time limit because you're like winding it down as you're figuring out what you need to do and it says you have five minutes or so left there's no time limit in the game but there is one in the story yeah exactly like if it would make the play worse if there was a time limit is what Mm -hmm. i'm saying like i would be so fucking furious if i just got a game over this close to the ending because i you know was bad at sudoku um and they would have to make it very generous you know it had to been like an easter egg yeah. Ending. But even having like a 10 minute counter or something like that, because this is not a Sudoku puzzle that's going to take you 10 minutes. Yeah. Like that would have been added a sense of urgency to this that sitting down to su- do Sudoku, which is a leisure activity mm-hmm. for old people in the middle of this thing, like would have, would have fit more. It's very weird. There's something the idea- that's cool about it though. Were you talking about that it's upside down? Yes. The fact that you have to flip it around. And for the entire game, it's been Akane giving Junpei um, the answers to the puzzles that he's been seeing. And for the uh, for the for the final twist where he, she has to get the answer to the to the puzzle she couldn't you know, solve. Um, you mm-hmm. have to turn it around and then the, the, the hardware limitations or the hardware configuration matches what you're doing in the story. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're actually saying back all the stuff between top screen and bottom screen interaction is neat in this game and this is a good climax for that even if the actual puzzle is nothing nothing great um after you get it uh, like finish it like you've done your job but you have to get out of there because you're gonna die (laughs) um and you realize why you couldn't go why ace couldn't go through this number nine door that was here (laughs) because it wasn't a nine it's a q yep which makes more sense in japanese because the word for q for the word for nine is q Mm-hmm. Yeah, said like that. Yeah, just, I, at least I think that's what it is. So they had to introduce the conceit of a zero describing the end state in text as opposed to over over the loudspeaker. Um, yeah, because because Q and nine and that font would look the same. Yeah, yep, yep. Which again, like I mean, that's that's kind of neat too. But at this point, I also feel like it's a little bit much. <laughs> like I don't need that many like dun dun duns in a row. <laughs> like I've gotten yeah. I'm, at this point, I'm very fatigued. It's already twisty enough. It's, it's way twisty enough. So yeah, after all those twists and turns, uh, this ends up being a lowercase q, which adds up to something in base 27. Um, and conveniently, conveniently enough, it's whoever you have with you. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to... Uh actually figure this out no that's a cue you just watch the characters figure it out it's a revelation as you are walking up or running up rather this spiral staircase yeah yeah okay (laughs) so (laughs) so there's some simultaneous action because you have sent this answer back um you are escaping in the present and akane and aoi uh aka santa are escaping um in in the past as well 
Yes. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, in the present, um, you actually get out. In the past, they get away as the, the ship sinks. In the present, you get out and you're actually in the second building. <laughs> yep, you are um, in building Q. Uh, so th- th- this is one of the areas where I like the where, where I like the writing. You can tell like a modern day like person or um, internet user who knows colloquial English wrote it because like you you get out and the reveal over a black screen is you got to be shitting me. Yeah, because it, at this point there are a lot of bits of verisimilitude about this being a boat. Like it's <laughs> well, it's creaking and rocking and there's water flooding in at frequent there's water times. flooding like, in, but there are like subtle enough cues. Like when I first played this, I was like, huh, when you go down to check the water, it's smooth as a mirror. That shouldn't be the case. Yeah, well, I, I always thought that because a, a little bit of it gets in, but mm-hmm. they it, the whole ship would sink if there weren't. I think they underline that. They talk about mm-hmm. how there must be like airlocks oh. or something, because otherwise the whole ship would sink when yeah. the, the leak was sprung. Mm. So I, 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 I thought don't re- that they had a thing about that. I don't remember them addressing it. I think I, like, I remember it being a detail that was just left there as a hint for you. Hmm. If so, like I feel like that's the hint. Yep. Like, are there other hints that can you can you think of? I feel like uh, if 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 just, that's a hint, I think that's the hint. Just the fact that nobody should be able to control the rate at which a ship sinks. Well, yeah, that's why. Like, that's why I thought there were airlocks. Maybe I mm. made that up though. Maybe I I filled in that detail, and that's why you could control the rate at which a ship mm. sinks. Yeah. Was you know like like again going back to Titanic? Is Titanic had those little uh, yeah those it was the ice cube tray yeah yeah um yeah. Yeah, but you are you you were revealed to be outside in the desert, so you were never in any danger of drowning um, whatsoever. Yep, um, you get a flashback in the past. You keep going back and forth, um, where Junpei is hanging out with Akane, and he found some teens that were setting kittens on fire. <laughs> Great, um, and uh, fought him off, so he's all beat up. Yeah, but super happy has a big dopey grin on his face <laughs> because um, because he stepped in for his waifu. Yep, he likes this girl. And uh, he gives her a present, which is a voodoo doll. So if you don't know the theme of being controlled remotely. <laughs> yep. Again, this is just yeah. one word written at the top of a page, and then it's underlined it down so far that it, the underlining goes onto the table. Yeah, yeah it goes onto the second page. It continued. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, man, was I ready for this game to end? And it keeps going back and forth between these two scenes. Yeah. And so you can, like, we know Ace's motivations at this point, right? Like, we've been through the endings, the reveal that, you know, the fact that he was doing this experiment in order to circumvent his condition, right? Which, you know, is a terrible condition to have, you know, to access the the morphogenetic field in order to be able to see people's faces because it was driving him crazy just to see everybody as monkeys, right? Yeah. Like, it, it stretches some credibility, though. Like, I mean, in a way that all fiction does, but, like... How many kids are you going to incinerate to get rid of your, like, very livable condition? Just one. Like, I can't... Well, I mean, that's still a lot <laughs> well, of kids. Like, well, no, he's also a monster, like, and that's why like, they... That's why as he's in the back of this SUV, they just, like, okay, I've heard enough of you. Or enough yeah. of you. And then tape him back over. Because, like, I, I can't eat pizza, Cole. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. But I don't set kids on fire <laughs> because yeah. I can't eat pizza. Like, it's it's a really... Like, it is... no. He's an undermotivated villain, I guess, is what I'm he, saying. Like, he's a bad villain. He has a with reason. With a good plot. Yes, he's, he's a bad villain with a good plot. He has a reason, but it is not a good enough one to justify what he does. Yes. It is It is the way that you don't make villains, like, you know, rules of, like, nobody's just an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have to have a reason to be an asshole. But his reason does not tip the scales correctly. Mm-hmm. They have to lean on the madness card. Yeah. You know, the psychopath card. Mm-hmm. And the psychopaths of the entire, like, 
complex that went along with this. Yeah. Like an, uh, an alarming number of people had to be morally destitute for this to happen. Yeah. Specifically like June. So she's been yeah. this, you know, kawaii moe uh, waifu figure this entire time. And she's not here. Like when she escapes off into the, off into the dust, you know, with, mm-hmm. with Santa, like she's gone forever, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. She, she goes and starts virtue's last reward. Pretty much, yeah. Like, and... this is my understanding from accidentally reading a couple pages on the wiki. <laughs> I mean, just like, so, so the, the the creator, even before VLR came out, you know, said, like, Junpei looks for her for the rest of his life, right? Yeah. And she has to be away because she straight up, if not killed directly, at least orchestrated the murder of three people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so... so and, you know, there, there, there's a lot of, like, you know, if you just read, if you read writing about this game, whether or not she was justified in kind of exploring all of these timelines and through the madness of burning burning to death for lifetimes upon lifetimes and exploring all of the different paths and branches of realities to try and create the circumstances in which she herself could survive. Was she actually, um, you know, justified in doing that? You know, that ends up being something they explore later on. And, you know, in a chrono trigger, chrono cross kind of way, what happens in those different timelines as things, you know, as things play out in a very Mm -hmm. Bioshock Infinite kind of way. But cool. That's super, that's super intriguing to me. But I understand like right now with the information that's there, you know, that's available. What what, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to change. I was, I thought you were, were wrapping up. <laughs> nope. The, um, no, I, I, I agree. That is an interesting thing. I don't think there's enough. There's hints that you, that she has something weird going on. Mm-hmm. There's not enough hints of her malevolence yeah. in the game. Like it's just the character work doesn't support the character motivations in the no, game. No, no. And so through, throughout the entire time, like the, the only thing that comes through is the fact that you are seeing Junpei's actions through her 12 year old self and the hypothetical possible version of the 21 year old um, Akane who exists is trying not to act in such a way that would embarrass her 12 year old self. Yeah. Like, and, and so, that's why she's so weird and childish and yeah. And yeah. Um, but cool. There's just one thing I don't understand. There's <laughs> one loose end left in the game. How did cradle pharmaceuticals create Soparil? <laughs> well, it's this... the question everyone's asking at the end of the game. Well, okay. you have to address so, it. So, so, so that's, that, that, that's one of two or three questions. So Soparil. Well, okay. So who was Alice, right? Because that seems like a pretty big red herring, right? So, yeah. you know, um, Hongu, when he acquired the Gigantic and he knew about the myth of Alice, right, from Lord Gordain, he went and he found her uh, He found her casket. But there, there was just the Mandrake root, which he That's used it. to, uh, you know, create Soparil, right? I, I would have lost sleep if I didn't find out I know, right? how the, the people and the, the villains in this game made their magical knockout drug. <laughs> so there is no Alice. Soparil is because of this mythical root that he found that would scream until he died. But no, actually, it just <sighs> knocks everybody out. Um, the yes. other question is this uh, this Akane discrepancy. And really, we've, you know, all of the story has just involved, okay, a, hypo- a hypothetical version of her that existed to create the, the the situation in which she could survive. But who is Alice, Gary? What happens with Alice? She's a cool hitchhiker at the side of the road, right? Kinda? But why? So this is the thing that we, we made reference to this earlier, but tell me why Alice is included at all. Okay. Without so, spoiling later games, if you, if you, if, unless, if you, unless you have to. So it ends up being a bit of a red herring. Um, like it's alluded to, 
um, there's a character in Virtue's Last Reward named Alice, right? And she looks like kind of an Egyptian queen. She This is the lotus figure of Virtue's Last Reward. Uh, okay. She's dressed very garishly, et cetera, et cetera. And she kind of hand waves and makes a point of saying, yeah, people thought that I was this thought out Egyptian queen. But in reality, I am associated with such and such organization that is investigating espers. Okay. So this was literally just a way for them to end this in as baffling of a, of a, of a method as possible. I feel like that's actively detrimental to this as a as a thing. Yeah. Like I feel like the I yeah. I think that like if you're going to have a game like it, it just ends up being twist fatigue and mm-hmm. it ends up being like I don't want red herrings in a game where like the idea is all information is actually relevant. Yeah. You know, it just felt like it feels like it just doesn't add very much for me. Yeah, it it, it really kind of doesn't. It just kind of seems like okay, we want to leave this on big uh, on a big enough cliffhanger, and they kind of lost at it. They didn't, or Twin Peaks, to rather, they didn't really know what they wanted to do with it, aside from the fact that they wanted to have this striking image at the end. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the the implications of that image, I couldn't care less about. Right, like if the idea was it was supposed to be the striking image, like. At this point, everything that's cool about the game has happened. Mm-hmm. All of the questions that legitimately got me to answer are, or question to ask are answered. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, all of the Alice stuff and all ice stuff ended up feeling superfluous to me in a really big, big bad way. Yeah. And, and again, and I hate that, like, I was being, for the slow people in the audience, mm-hmm. I was being sarcastic about that soap real thing because I hate that they fucking explain that. <laughs> yep. Like, it's just like, I'm so ready for this game to end at this point. Yeah, this is Return of the King level of stuff. It is unreasonable. Yeah. Like, it almost makes this, like, like the ending on the balance, like, almost everything after, well, not almost, everything after you get out of the ship or mm-hmm. out of the building is fluff. Yeah, it's like, it's way too much. Like all that you all that you get is the answer to a question you already knew, like like who yeah. was the Akane you were interacting with, um, or something you already knew via you know, vis-a-vis Ace himself and what his motivations were, or something you really ought not care about, which is either the Soparil origin or Alice herself. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, it, and also if it, the idea is you get this fun idea of this road trip between characters you like, I don't like mm-hmm. these characters. So no. It doesn't, just, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just like ended on, you got to be shitting me and a, and a shot that of the ocean cool. or a like, shot of the desert, right? Yeah, that's way more mysterious and, and a stronger line. Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it mirrors what the, the player's feeling at yeah. this point. Which, like, it, anytime, you know, you can, anytime you can make a character in a game say what a player is, uh, what a player is thinking, like, do it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, if you're it, thinking, it, oh shit, have somebody say, oh shit. Well, <laughs> it, it's like a thin line because it, it's, it's, I usually think it's garbage to have characters criticize a plot. Uh-huh. And this could be very close to that. Like if characters are standing around criticizing the plot of the game, that's that's a yeah, red flag it's a, to it's me. It's a little bit much. But they had yeah. set up the idea of building Q and in, yeah. in, in you know on the lower screen you're seeing the gigantic sink and the reveal of the desert happens so soon after it. Like it would just be yeah. like okay, well I'm seeing what Junpei is saying and all of a sudden here is, you know, all of these possibilities collapsing into one. Is there a reason it was in Nevada? Hmm. Area 51. A desert, no. nobody would be around. Yeah, I suppose. Like I just, I got the impression that since everyone read as Japanese, yeah, you know, I, and it was I'm Japanese, sure purple, like it's on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. Which, so maybe it's literally on the other side of the world. Maybe there's mm-hmm. something. I guess it wouldn't be though. Yeah, I don't actually know what's on the other side from Japan. But anyway, that's that ends up. That's the end of nine nine nine. Yeah, or is it? Let's continue <laughs> for another ten minutes. 
<laughs> no, that's it. Like that's that's yeah. the end. Carrie. Yeah, how many unanswered questions have we not? <laughs> So yeah, this is the first time that I've played the game since I played Virtue's Last Reward. Um, <laughs> I got VLR, or I got a 3DS specifically so I could play VLR on launch day. Um, and it really pays off. And like I said, a lot of my affection for this is either because I didn't really know a lot better about the kind of the, the, the quality of life things that it got so terribly wrong um, <laughs> in the first, first go-through, um, and also because I have such affection for what VLR does with where this kind of like leaves us right like it is one of the best sequels to a games i or to best sequels to a game i've ever played and so coming back to it like i don't feel as strongly i don't feel as negative about you do gary because i had a 100 cleared cart and i could just skip through everything if i was time locked on this it would be fucking insufferable it wasn't it's not like it's that much time it's just how i spent it yep you know and like it comes down to whenever we disagree about a game mm. and this is this is will be true and is true throughout all of uh watch out for fireball's history mm -hmm. is that like it comes down to whether the good outweighs the bad yep you know down to our per the things we personally weigh things for mm -hmm. and that's even true of games we agree on right so yeah. like even something like sacrifice neither of us thought that was devoid of good ideas mm-hmm it's just the bad things you had to do moment to moment didn't outweigh the good ideas yeah. for us. And that is where I fall on this, but I fall on it really, really hard because it takes, like, it's just very slow and mm -hmm. inactive because of the nature of the genre. Yeah. Which, like, I don't want anyone to come away from me talking about this. Like, I don't like to read or I don't like to think, or I don't like books. No, I don't think that, like that comes through that's, at yeah, all. Like, that's not, that, that'd be, like, the least charitable read of your, of your reaction to this. Like, yeah, that that is not the case. Like, I don't need nonstop action. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be able, like, to be shooting people in the face to like a game. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to think about a game. It's, it is just the fact that the, such a huge preponderance of the game is spent reading a bad book. Yeah. Like, it's like I can I can read a good... It's like, to get taken 999, you play a storyless room escape game on your <laughs> iPhone, read a good short story, and read a 300-page terrible novel. <laughs> and that is what 999 equals. Yep. And you spend more time reading that terrible novel than anything else. Mm -hmm. And you can't, you can't compartmentalize it. Like, they come bundled. Yeah. You know, it's like... Each one gives you a code that unlocks the the actual thing you want. Like, yeah. and you, if I could do one without the other, mm -hmm. or if I there was some way that it gave me to make the bad part better, mm -hmm. like literally, like I we would be having a very different conversation if I could have made dialogue go faster. Yep, because I could have skimmed the things I thought were not important. If you I, know, like like I do when I'm reading a textbook or something. Yeah, Gary, if, if if I had thought about this ahead of time and if I had considered the possibility, I would have rushed through the game because it's possible, and I would have mailed you my card. Oh yeah, that, that's smart. That would have been <laughs> that would yeah. But no, that's that's not smart. That would have been smart, and that's a possibility yeah. that I just just now came across in my in my stupid dumb head. <laughs> So. I want there to be like a secondary market for 100 percent 999 cards. <laughs> like you can buy them on eBay instead of buying a regular one just mm -hmm. so you have that feature. Because like I knew that was a thing, but before I read it, I didn't know how much I'd want it. Because I was yeah. like, oh, I'm I'm patient. Like I can read, mm -hmm. and that's true. But it just like 
it just ruined it for me. Yeah. Like, and, it, and it, you know, it spoiled the earth. Like, I just, I can't do a novel mm-hmm. with characterization and dialogue this bad. Like, that is yeah. too big, like, important, cool plot, cool setting. I gotcha. But that's not enough for a book for me. You, you know what's funny about this? And I'm going to say something kind of provocative that I'm not sure if I feel as strongly as the this, as this says. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> not that, that but it might be. but I guess I am. <laughs> you're, you're, you're and-anding me. Um, <laughs> no. um, I don't particularly care for the combat and fallout. Yeah. You know? And so this is like a, like an inverse mirror, like, like an inverse of that, where you liked the play in this, you know, however much it existed, uh, but didn't like the story. I love the story in Fallout, specifically Fallout 2, but didn't, you know, like just, just actively didn't like the play. But do you like the, the dialogue and characterization in 999? Insofar as much as I like, you know, enjoy this kind of trivia heavy exposition and, you know, it's the same thing that gets me like hard enough to cut diamond about Bioshock Infinite, right? Like, give me the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead quantum stuff, right? Like, that that will cover over a lot of different sins. And again, that gets down to like individually between us, what turns us on and what will, you know, tip the tip the negative or positive scales in our favor. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's if like different I, things are important to you. Like it, it's yeah. when, when you, when you do abject suffering and somebody writes a legitimate review of a game and they're just like, no, it's like, it's got really colorful backgrounds and like it, yeah. you know, it's entertaining to stomp on some guys for a little bit and it's a terrible fucking game, but like they, that's what's important to them and that's good enough. Right. You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. That's kind of a characterization of the things I like. <laughs> Well, yeah. I like, I mean, I like stomping on things too. I'm trying to think yeah. of, maybe that's not the best example. No, but like, no, but just like people, different people like different things. Yeah. yeah like, like, yeah, yeah like you're, we're going to, everyone's going to have different values and this goes for all media. So it's not, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like a, yeah. a revelation, yeah. you know, it's, it's where when a, when a bad movie comes out and someone's like, oh, it's a good popcorn movie. Yeah. And the reason why is because they want out of a movie and I'm not, this is not a judgment. Mm-hmm. What they want out of the movie is like to zone out and like like the mm-hmm. people who like pixels you know or something mm-hmm. like that like they just want to zone out <laughs> and see minute. some lights this, this is not the pixels of video games Gary. <laughs> this is Come the on. pixels of video game i'm gonna go ahead and say adam sandler's 999 <laughs> happy madison presents 999 <laughs> yeah no but if uh, you know just like like the like the the, the 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 there are prejudices that we have and you know i don't know what the opposite of prejudice is because I can't pull it up but like we are predisposed to like something and this 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 presented provocative ideas for me and that got me through it even though i can intellectually recognize the the, you know the many many ways in which the presentation of those ideas fell short and so you know (laughs) not not to just compare every game we talk about to every game we talk about but like this is a little bit spider-man 2 and that this one narrative mechanic that it puts forward is enough for me to you know really you know forgive a lot of stuff that came around it and and I feel that way about a lot of things we've done. Mm-hmm. Like, but the the difference between those things and nine 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 is just the time you spend. Yep. Like like I agree that that one narrative conceit that's strong is super strong. Mm-hmm. It's just you spend like in Spider Man, you spend ninety percent of your time doing the strongest thing about Spider Man. Yep. In nine nine nine, you spend the end game doing the strongest mm-hmm. thing about nine nine nine. And so you know, here in twenty fifteen, when I am talking about this game i am kind of experiencing it through the the fast forward version that i did at the speed that i can read and also the memory of all the cool things and yeah, all the frustration yeah. about it is way back there in the mist yeah and and, and that's fine like i'm not calling you out for that like it also no, reminds no. me of, <laughs> and, and i'm also not trying to be like well here's a game you love that i didn't like i'm not doing that either but like and this is a game i love but i think about something like silent hill 2 mm-hmm. which like 
Silent Hill 2 is not a good game from a gameplay perspective. Mm -hmm. Like the combat's not very good and the puzzles are no great shakes. But again, it just, and I guess I'm repeating myself, it just comes down to real estate. Yep. You know, like enough of the game, the real estate is, and if I could play 999 knowing what was to come. Oh yeah. Which would eliminate the purpose because it's a mystery. But like (laughs) if I had not just a, a intellectual assurance, but an emotional insurance or assurance that like something cool was down the pike. Mm-hmm. maybe it would have colored the stuff I was doing. Yeah. You know, and like and, it just, yeah. Yeah. And again, like even on my first go through a silent hill too, I was, I was way too busy thinking about the stuff that was put in front of me or like looking at the creepy environments. And I wasn't thinking about the play. Well, yeah. Me, <laughs> me too. Like I thought about the play cause we did it for the show. Yeah. Like I, I love that game. I had, you know, it was, it was great from start to front, yeah. you know, back. Like I, I'm really <laughs> glad that I played that. Um, but it just, I feel like, I mean, nothing, nothing I haven't already said. Like, yeah, it is, it is just, it really comes down to the amount of time you spend doing a thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes this game ends up making, you know, kind of an accident, like a, a, a real companion for me and how I think about games with Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you know, because like I would probably <laughs> like, I like that game more. I think if there was a such thing as an objective truth, like this <laughs> is maybe a better game because it is more ambitious, mm-hmm. but it is much more of a slog for me to play through, Yeah, you know? Um, but, but it sucks because for the purposes of this thing that we're doing, you can't just say everything is a slurry of subjectivity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, I mean, that that is true, but that makes for a very boring podcast that just ends up being us reading the, the Wikipedia entry, you know, for the entire show. Like we have to think about whether well, things worked for us or not. Well, fortunately, um, this is a medium where people can get to know us and our individual tastes. And, you know, those yeah. things can come to the fore in the way that we, you know, individually interpret the same stimulus that's in front of us. It's funny, too, because I get um, I'll get recommendations mm-hmm. from the show. And I'm not putting anybody on blast, but like sometimes I'll get recommendations that I, I can't help but think like, man, this is I, I have played that and this is the last thing I want to play. Mm-hmm. Like what about me comes off as like, I'm going to like that. Yeah. Not in like a pride way. Like how dare you think I'm going to like that plebeian trash, but just like to me, I read very strongly um, as having certain tastes mm-hmm. and, and that doesn't play into it. And then on the other hand, like somebody will recommend something that is, does end up being like, you know, a great recommendation. Yeah. You know? Um, but that's part of the, like the fun of the the show. And it's also part of the reason why people who want us to come to blows and be like, we're the angry gamers, you know, <laughs> it's just not going to happen because we both know what the other one likes enough to where yeah. we're not mad about it. Yeah. Like nothing's surprising, you know, it's like a... every once in a while I'll be like, oh, you didn't like that. I'm kind of surprised. Uh-huh. But then you explain why. And it's like, oh, that actually makes sense. Like yeah. I obviously don't know you as well as you know you. Mm-hmm. So that's it's not a point of conflict. Yeah. And here's the thing. When we come to those, when we come to those, uh, different, you know, different opinions and disagreements about those kind of things, it's super important for us to be congenial about it and to address yeah. it from a point of view where we can be thorough and not hurt each other's feelings. Well, that, that's the other part of it too, is the people who do like the angry gamer YouTube channel or whatever, like they're are by not, themselves. Well, they're by themselves and they're also not sensitive babies like we are yeah. like not babies, but like, you know, both of us are prone to having our feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not, not to sound, uh, I don't want to get beat up, but it it is true. Mm-hmm. And like, we would, I know us both well enough that we would end up taking something personally eventually. Yeah. And it would not be good for our working relationship. Right. So, I mean, I guess in conclusion, like people, this is as divisive as it's going to get. <laughs> this is the most that I have hated a game that Cole has loved it like that. <laughs> I can't think of anything quite like that. Like, I'm just searching my mind, like, going through the archives, I guess, in my head. Yeah. 
Um, like the closest, games, the closest yeah. point was uh, was was either the uh, the the them bones uh, um, puzzle in uh, Monkey Island two, mm. um, or uh, in that same year the Indigo Prophecy episode where I put that forward as like, hey, we should probably talk about that. And there were things about it that I foolishly wanted to defend for many of the same reasons that I like to defend stuff here because I because I found the ideas intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I you probably like this more than or think this is a better game than that. Yes, if I, I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. Even, I think this even is a upon stronger, replay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably a close one too. Then the bone, like I love Monkey Island too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the segment that didn't work, but I, you know, I love that game. And I was trying to think of like, um, you know, I don't know that like I was more uh, uh, forgiving of like the ending of Vampire. Mm-hmm. You know, like or like Bloodlines, or like I was more forgiving of the end of Dark Corners of the Earth, like things like that that I have. You know, weirdly enough, like I also got into for the ideas, mm-hmm. you know, it's just what the idea will will carry you through is just different. Yeah. Um, you know, this is this end of this has become like therapy. Like it's not <laughs> like it's not really us discussing the game anymore. No, it's, um, it's it's discussing our relationship, which is cool because people yeah. this is entertainment, Gary. Like people, yeah. people listen, you know, I, I hate to say this because it makes me sound egomaniacal. People listen to some degree for us and everything yeah. is through the lenses that we that we look at this stuff through. So I feel like it's relevant at the very least. So, so the final recommendation on 999 is you should go and take the Cosmo quiz, like, are you a Cole or are you a Gary? <laughs> and then depending on how what answer you got. Find out what your Enneagram is and also your MBTI and also your numerological score. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna determine whether you whether you should play 999 because it, it this is a very good illustration of the, our different values in games. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, this is a, a good thing to point to and, like, if people yeah. wonder how we're different. Which, again, be, because in many ways I'm a Midwestern mom, we can look at these things, we can we can disagree about them, we can find what's nice, and we can get along. Yeah. <laughs> and it that doesn't is, matter. And that is cool. Yeah. I got very mad at 999 and went on some screeds, but I never didn't got mad get at mad you. At me. Yeah. I didn't get mad at you or the people who voted for it, or <laughs> even the developers. Like, this guy had a thing he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's... I was very mad at the artifact without it being personal. Yeah. So... You know. So I'm sorry if people expected us to come and to come to blows or like find a game we universally hated. I don't know if that is a fruitful um, use of our two weeks of time. Well, we did, <laughs> we just didn't we didn't set out for this. Like I yeah. came into this thinking, like I said, I, I thought I liked this before I played it. Yeah. The um. So eventually we will probably end up playing something that we both dislike again. Yeah. Um. And I do want to this calendar year, like not necessarily before 2016, but from mm-hmm. here until do a couple more games that neither of us have played. Yeah. Because I think that's kind of exciting, and and it's it's a gamble. Like we can end up with sacrifices, but we can also end up with like, you know, earthbounds. Yeah. Like so, you know, so like things like that. That just like, holy shit, where has this been? <laughs> you know, and that's where that ends adds an excitement as well. Yeah. To the episodes, but like the uh, rest assured, like as much as we do like each other, I do hate this game. <laughs> I do love everyone who loves it, though. It does not cause me to dislike you. Yeah. <laughs> because because the things we like are not us. Exactly. Fuck John Cusack. Fuck <laughs> Thank He's you. That lying. was where I was going to go. Yeah, with it. Yeah. That's, that, yeah. that, that's the anti-pattern of that book, though. So it's fine. We can still yeah. like High Fidelity and John Cusack. Yeah, it's making fun of that. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Anywho, um, what are we doing next time, Cole? <laughs> well, next time uh, we are doing a brief game. This is going to be Zone of the Enders. Uh, this is one of Hideo Kojima's lesser-known games and lesser-known or lesser-played games, unless you were desperate to play Metal Gear Solid Two or at least its demo. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can get this for PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360. Uh, it is very inexpensive, either at uh, brick and mortar stores or on Amazon. Uh, I recommend you do it because this is a fun game. Yeah, I haven't started playing it yet for the replay, but I did play it when I was, you know, buying the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo. <laughs> And, and really enjoyed it. Um, after that, we're doing our big summer RPG, yep. um, which is Paper Mario, um, which I have played relatively recently and am looking forward to. So if you're looking for us to both to disagree about something and come to blows, it's not going to be that game either. No, it's not, because uh, that is a delightful it, game. It is full up on charm. Mm. Oh, my God, it's full of charms. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's going to be two episodes. Uh, so we are not going to reveal what's coming after that. But, uh, boy, we have some exciting stuff coming this fall. Yeah. Yeah, um, not least of which, um, doing the uh, Portland Retro Gaming Expo, mm -hmm. which is the in mid-October. Um, the, the details will be all over our site, closer to, and it's also online now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we're doing a game yet to be determined. We need to start thinking about that yep. um, more seriously. We've had some discussions, but we just need to come to a, de a decision. But um, that is a great fun time, and we'll do a meetup, and it'll be great to meet you guys and hang out. And uh, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, or even not. Yep. You should travel out. It'll be fun. No, it is a fantastic time. Let us know if you're going to be there. And uh, yeah, we're just going to put all that together. It is frequently, um, and in fact, I'd say always one of the highlights of my year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and very shortly after that, we're going to be in my neck of the woods, Gary. Yeah. This is the first time I've been to uh, Cincinnati mm. um, out that way because we are doing, we got invited to do a talk. Yes. So we're going to be at the Ohio. It's called 999. <laughs> <laughs> the truth revealed. Are you and a are you a Cole or a Gary? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go and we're gonna oil each other up, and then we're gonna decide whether it's a good game once or for all. <laughs> so why is oil involved? Ah, <laughs> uh, because we're gonna decide through right of combat. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We were invited to the Ohio Game Developers Expo at the COSI Center in Columbus, Ohio, to give a talk about the Dark Souls series. So this is more for Bonfire Side Chat listeners. But uh, boy, if you want to come listen to us talk, this is uh, this is a great way to do it. Yeah, and tickets are really reasonably priced. It, looking at the the panels and stuff that they have, and the fact that they're going to have indie game developers showing their stuff, mm -hmm. it's going to be a good fun time anyway. Yeah, if you're in the area, you're going to want to go. Yeah, um, but you double want to go because we're going to be there. We're going to do a meetup for that as well because yeah. we've never done a. Uh, I've never been at a meetup in the Midwest. Yeah, um, which I'm I'm really looking forward to. So anybody and who's the, local to Columbus, I'm going to disappoint you and say the meetup's probably going to be in Cincinnati, but. Well, yeah. the, the expo is in, in Columbus, right? Yes. Yes, yeah, so we won't do an official meetup, but we'll be around. Yeah. If if you're in Columbus, like, and it's after the show and you want to, like, mm -hmm. grab a beer or something. Yeah. Just, uh, it doesn't yeah. have to be a formal meetup, but I, you could reach out. Don't, we, don't murder us. No, we may end but, up. Yeah, please don't murder us, God. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, we probably will end up doing two miniature meetups. Uh, but, yeah, like, if you are if you are around roundabouts these parts, we would love to have you. Yeah, and in, in further news, <laughs> like this is a big news day. Yeah. So people who have been feverishly refreshing our Patreon page mm -hmm. know that we're very close to another big round number. Yeah. Um, we've bought the equipment that I think we need to make the show sound good, more mm -hmm. or less. There are probably other, always things that like we could get, but like we're done with that for at least the, the meantime. Um, and we like doing live shows. Mm -hmm. So we're at like 1451 now. We're setting our $1,500 stretch goal for a second live show during the year. 
um, similar to Portland Retro Gaming Expo, but geographically different. Yep. Um, and there will probably be a watch out for Fireball Show, so mm-hmm. pertinent to listeners of this, um, where I will fly out somewhere mm-hmm. and we will do a, a live show at a convention. Yeah. Um, there's a convention we have in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not confirmed, so I don't want to yep. announce it yet. Um, you know, because once we get to that goal level, I'm going to reach out to that person. Yeah. Um, but it will be a different time chronologically and a different type of space geographically. Yeah. And another live show. So giving people and other people in other parts of the country a chance to check us out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is probably going to be in the calendar year of 2016 because of the way these things are planned out. But if we reach that goal, it's going to be um, possible and easy for us to uh, to uh, commit the resources to getting us out to a place we have not been before. Um, in order yeah. to uh, in order to speak in front of more cool people, yeah, that's good. I'm looking forward to it. It's very like every time we do it at Portland Retro Gaming Expo, it's really fun, mm-hmm. and also it's just fun to meet people and it's fun to be performative. Yep. Um, and I'm I'm really excited about this. So I yeah. hope that we make that that goal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, just throwing this out there, like some point in November, we'll do Duck Stream again too. Yeah. So like this is we got stuff to look forward to. Yeah. From here until Christmas, and then it's like. <laughs> We clear Christmas, no suicide, and then <laughs> Jesus, bam jam into the, the next year and and do our next live show. And then we're almost to Portland Retro Gaming Expo again. Right. So we have another reason to live for like, we, we need something to, to put in that dead zone of nine months between Duckstream and Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Gary, can I put that in more of a, in, in a less bleak set of terms? I would challenge you to put it in a more bleak set of terms. <laughs> No, one of the funnest things about this is the community that has cropped up around it. <laughs> like I've made some great friends uh, just by, you know, just from the people who have, you know, been generous enough with their time to listen and engage with us and going to more places and doing more uh, kind of kind of live events, whether digital or, um, you know, in person uh, has given us has given us an opportunity to kind of grow that base and get closer with the people who are already there. And, yeah. you know, like I've talked about this before, but this network and these shows have been a tremendous positive influence on my life because otherwise I would just live kind of this monastic existence moving from work mm. to home and back. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the Patreon giving us the opportunities to do this has, uh, has only enabled this to grow bigger and better and cooler. Yes. Yeah. And it's uh it's very it's very fun and we thank you for for doing it. Yeah. Um as we mentioned, it's patreon.com forward slash duckfeed TV. That's mm-hmm. if you want to help us reach that goal. Um and the other way you can help if you are already helping or you can't afford to, just tell people about it, rate and review mm-hmm. us on iTunes, do all those things. Yep. Way appreciated. Yep. And uh, stay tuned for other further announcements as we go. Like hopefully yep. this ends up becoming something that kind of cascades. Like yep. neither of us have a lifestyle that can afford just being on the road all the time. Uh-huh. But we do have some more room for it, and it's also fun and a fantastic growth kind of thing for us. Yep. So let's let it snowball because, uh, yep. man, I just, I never thought it would get to this point and it makes me wonder how far, how much further it can go. Yeah. We got to reach that Malcolm Gladwell tipping point at some point. God. So the, the uh, uh, 0% yeah. man. Ugh. I, I, I had to read that for read, uh, chapters oh, in that book for class. Not man, the entire that, book. that person should be tried for war crimes. Who made you read yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah. Katie Vargas, um, <laughs> professor Katie Vargas, the, uh, yeah, it is. I had to read a couple chapters of that, so that's why I have that idea in my head. As much as you know, most of Malcolm Gladwell has been thoroughly debunked and shat upon. Um, but anywho, turns uh, out, should, yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, well, there's just one nagging loose thread. What should they watch out for, Cole? Um, they should watch out for. 
Ace nine incinerators? for um, yeah for for incinerators. Let's see here. What else can what, what else can hammer this home? Let's say detergent crystals. Uh, what about ammonia crystals? Uh, let's see here. The hundredth monkey. Gary, I could go on. Do you want me to? Yeah. <laughs> yes, or I'll get the bad ending. Um. <laughs> Watch out for axes. the panopcon especially as it applies to the space shuttle clumsia clumsia that was a clumsia read (laughs) Uh, 